This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? <laughs> Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right. Well, once again, the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am Rich Craig. As always, King of Banter. Very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? How are you? I'm all right. Fine. <laughs> you don't sound fine. That's all right. It's just, you know, I was getting bored of everything. Bored of everything? Yeah, you know, just life. It's <laughs> just life in general. I'm bored of I just want to sort of go outside and see people again, but that's all right. You can go outside. I mean, I'm outside stop. a lot. I'm outside all day, but, you know, get bored of looking at my own yard, <laughs> working on that and. I don't. I really don't understand your fascination with yard work. I, I, it just it 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 just speaks to different personalities. Like one of the last things on this planet I would ever be compelled to do, like for pleasure, would be yard work. But you genuinely enjoy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. You've got the uh, the green thumb, Rich. Isn't that what they call that? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, yeah. It's um. So I've I've always been into it. The nurse has now kind of gotten into it as well. Now she's into uh, uh, plant stuff and and growing. She she's we're gonna live off the land now officially. Uh, after this, she has decided we're gonna grow all of her own food. Uh, I don't know how we're gonna get meat. Um, I don't know how that's gonna happen, but um, <laughs> we have lettuce and kale and peppers and stuff. Yeah, we we have accessories to food, I guess, more than than food itself. But we'll figure it out. Ah, I gotta tell you, that sounds horrible. <laughs> We'll get, some like chickens. Terrible... get some chickens in the backyard, too. I don't think they're legal, but, you know, we can figure out a way. Some goats. I, I wouldn't mind I'm having a, a man, goat in the backyard. I'm a man who enjoys the pleasures of a modern society. I don't know. Um, I can never live that way. Now, you do, like, I, you do like literally zero yard work, right? Like, no. Like, literally, what? like, not a thing, right? You've never pulled it. <laughs> like, since you've moved into this house, you have not pulled a weed. You have not mowed a lawn. None of you're not above. out there fucking edging your sidewalk. I'm sure. No, what are you kidding me? <laughs> like, is that, what, I, what? What's the most yard work you think you have actually hypothetically done? Nothing. <laughs> like literally nothing. You're not even. Not even. No. A thing. Not, even, not even a second of anything related to yard work. Why would I ever do that task? I have. I. I have never cut a blade of grass. <laughs> In my time on Earth, that's never happened, and will never happen. I it's 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 so cheap just to hire a guy. I mean, I've had the same guy for like ten years. He comes by with his little crew. They've got their gimmicks. They've got their CZW gimmicks. They've got like weed whackers. The whole nine. You know, they do the trimming, the edging. You know, I do a different kind of edging. They go in the backyard with the riding mower. They take care of it in five minutes, ten, or maybe not five minutes, ten minutes. 
They don't even knock on the door. They don't bother me. You know what he does? He texts me like once a month with like a total with the dates. And then I PayPal him his money. I've never met the man. I've never met the man. Because before he started taking payments on PayPal, I would leave like $60 underneath a rock in the backyard and instruct him, the money's in the back. Take it at your own leisure. Just don't knock on my door. Don't bother me. And we've had that relationship for like 10 years. Not even a nod. Not even a, you know, you're walking by, he's walking by nod thing. Rich, I don't know what the guy looks like. <laughs> like, I know what his crew looks like. But you're not sure who I... the ringleader is? You don't know who the leader no, is? I don't, yeah, okay. No. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm almost positive it's none of the guys that come to the house. Like, I don't think it's any of them. I just don't get that impression. But it's always the same guys. It's been the same three guys that come to the house for the last 10 years. One guy hops on the riding mower, which looks like a lot of fun, to be fair. That, I'm, that's what I'm saying, Joe. It's that, not bad. I don't have a ride. I mean, I don't have one, but I, I walk around like an asshole. But, um, but yeah, it, it's pretty fun. So he, he does that. And then the two other guys, they're in the front with the CZW gimmicks. They've got like the weed whackers. They go up and down my driveway along the edge, right? Mm-hmm. And they do like sometimes the weeds come up through the cracks in the driveway. So they'll do that. Oh, and every now and then, um, every now and then TLB will be like, tell the guy that I want him to trim the the branches on the tree in the front and uh, like the hedges. Okay. Like every- so he's, a, he's a trim guy too. He can trim. Yeah, yeah, this man's a professional wow. landscaper, Rich. I get this is full service. Okay. He has a, he comes in a truck, you know, with all the, you know, and, and you know, cause he's got the, the riding gimmick. So this is a professional operation. This isn't some dopey kid from down the street. I got professionals out here. So, you know, and, and then I tell him, you know, I'll text him. I've never spoken to the man. It's always text message. And now I just pay him through PayPal. So I don't even leave the cash in the yard, you know, but um, yeah. So every now and then TLB will make a special request. And there he's like, sure, no problem. And then the guy will go in the truck and get like the, he gets like the, uh, the Brutus the Barber. Yeah, the, the hedge clippers. Yeah, you can need the hedge clippers for sure. Yeah, they don't have the striped, you know, barber handle. <laughs> I'm guessing not. Yeah, I'm guessing they're just you know wood handled. But yeah, he could, he could if you want to trick it out a little bit. But that's fine. he gets the Brutus the Barber beefcake gimmick, and he also gets like this little miniature saw deal. It's like a little mini chainsaw looking thing. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and they just like he uses that, and then he <laughs> he finishes it off with the barber shears. To call it, um, but yeah, go ahead. And then, yeah, then they pack back up in the truck, and he only charges me like fifteen dollars more when they do that. So it's a good deal for me, you know. So it, he he's been charging me thirty dollars for my lawn for ten years. He never raises the price. I never lift a finger, which is the most important part of this. I don't have to go out there in this Texas heat. Rich, it's like 110 degrees out there. Do that does change wanna... things a little bit. Yeah, that that does, that that is a little different. Like, but I, I mean, I don't mind. I actually enjoy it. But uh, yeah, if it was if if I was in like extreme heat, I might. I don't know. I might consider uh, doing it. But yeah, it's I, I enjoy it I, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just like going outside and doing. I, I'm again like literally the opposite of you. Like I love being outside. Like the half this day today, I mowed my lawn when I woke up, and then I did my work sitting on the patio in the sun. And you, I'm sure, did not do that. I'm sure if, you if haven't I seen the out, sun yet today. So, If I went out in the sun, right, after about 15 minutes, I would need to go to bed and take a nap. It just sucks it right out of me. That is, I yeah, I, and that is, the, the, the heat there is ridiculous. I, I've only once been in Texas, and I've, I've, I've obviously been to, like, Florida and stuff like that. And 
and yeah, where where it's extremely humid, it really wears on you, man. Like I, because I sweat a shit ton. Like I sweat a lot. Like I'm sweating right now. Literally, it's like 72 degrees out, you know, in Chicago, or whatever. And um, yeah, it's always been tough for me to to you know avoid just like sweating like a like insane. And and yeah, I remember the one time I went to uh, Texas. I went to San Antonio. And literally within an hour of being there, I already had to like change my shirt. I like sweat through. I wore like a polo shirt because it was like a work thing, and like my but the polo shirt was drenched, like literally dripping in sweat. And I'm like, my god, why do humans live here? Why are you here? But uh, yeah, so it's all the fun of of like because it's one thing if you're in Florida and you're like, ah, I'll just go to the beach or I'll just like hang out or I'll just you know go to a pool or something like that. But in Texas, you're just like it's just you're just bearing down on you in the middle of a a freaking desert for no reason whatsoever, or middle of a prairie or whatever the hell. Uh, your area is like so. I'm in a I'm in a valley. I think. Um, I think I don't even know, but uh, yeah, I have no no use for that. Like, and you're out there like digging holes and planting flowers. Oh, I got raised gardens going. Yeah, we got raised gardens. We're planting azaleas. It's it's been wild over here, man. It's, it's crazy. I, you know, <laughs> I, I I can just pay the guy for that too, though. Like, I don't have to go out there with the little shovel and the little. You wear the little gloves. I do wear the little gloves. Yeah, they're old batting gloves for me. I don't have I don't have like the cool like cute little like gardening gloves with like you know sunflowers on them or whatever. But I just like use the, uh, I use old batting gloves. So you don't have the Duke the Dumpster Josie glove. <laughs> no, well, sort of. Yeah, yeah. They're I, I have had those in the past, but no, I just use the yeah. I know the one. I I know the exact ones you're talking about, like the old Undertaker gloves. Uh, but no, yeah. I just have I just have old batting gloves that I use that have been retired retired softball batting gloves. I'll use. Yeah, I I I, I thought you know. I, I thought of something I did yard-related one time. Oh, there we go. We got it. Okay. What do we got? Well, I got the grass replaced in the front of the house two summers ago or three summers ago. And when you get grass replaced, you got to constantly water it. Yes. So it doesn't die. So for the first three or four days, I was out there every couple hours, uh, you know, watering the new grass. But then I decided that shit was for the birds. So what I did was... <laughs> I got tired of getting up and getting out of the house every, you know, the guy's like, oh, at dusk when the sun goes down, give it a good water. Yeah, give yeah, it a good yeah. water before you go to bed. Then get it in the morning, like before the sun, before it's really hot. Out. And I'm like, if you think I'm getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning every day to water this dopey grass. So I got tired of this real fast. So like the third or fourth day in, I went down to the Home Depot and I got like seven sprinklers. And I just I rigged it all up. <laughs> that's not a bad idea, though. That's that's and that's all right. I'll, I'll let you because that that's a, that's a little bit more effort. It's so much because you you really got to saturate that grass like three or four times right, a right, day right, when right. it's new grass. And it's just I'm standing there, and what I was doing was like listening to podcasts while I'm doing it. I'm like, this will help me pass the time. Yeah, but I, right. the thing is, I get tired of standing. <laughs> like what I realized was, it's not just the physical act of of watering the grass because that you can make into a fun game like you do little patterns and you know you turn it into a gimmick or whatever uh you see how far you can spray the hose like and still reach the grass like i was trying all kinds of things like hmm, if i get a chair out here see if you could sit like yeah like as close as possible to your house and yeah and still spray it yeah that's good (laughs) exactly and still reach every portion of the grass but the yard was a little too big for that so i was like fuck this i'm tired of standing I'm tired of doing this three times a day. So I just bought a bunch of sprinklers, uh, rigged it all up with like, you know, um, yeah, with some master engineering techniques. And then all I had to do was go outside and turn on the spigot, the spigot gimmick on the side of the house. And then I just hang out in the house. 
But the problem with that is I would forget that it was on, right? And then I would leave it on for too long. Oh, I did. Like, oh, yeah, oh, one time, uh, one time, I because we have uh, like hydrangeas out in front of our house, and they need to get you know watered. So I have like a little sprinkler gimmick, uh, like you're saying. And and uh, I turn it on one day at like you know six p.m. or whatever. Put a little note in my phone. Hey, make sure to turn off the sprinkler or whatever. Whose ass wakes up at eight a.m. driving? You know, pulling out of the driveway to for work, and I, my car gets drenched in water, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like that's not good. And my god, that water bill that I got that month was uh, was pretty good. And and yeah, the hydrangeas did not enjoy getting watered for you know twelve straight hours. So yeah, the water bill, and also uh, one or two times when I forgot about it, it was like a mudslide in the Himalayas out there. <laughs> right? Like there's just mud cascading into the street from my driveway. You know, and and because uh, you don't understand, this wasn't like two sprinklers. I made sure every inch of that grass was covered, so none of it would die. Because I just spent like two grand putting the grass in, so I, you can't let it die. That would have been a disaster. Because then you got to get it done all over again. So I, you know, it, it, it was a lot of water. But uh, that's the extent of my yard work. That's not and- bad. That's better than I thought. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I do enjoy that your first bit of yard work led to you spending <laughs> like hundreds of dollars to set up a sprinkler system so you could stop doing it again. But I, I appreciate that, though. That's, well, that's, still a little bit, came- that's a little bit of effort, though. I'm not going to hate you on that one. That's fine. When, when the guy came to do the grass, he's like, what kind of grass do you want? I'm like, fucking green? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean, what kind of grass? Do I, I had no clue. Kentucky like, bluegrass is what I want, sir. Thank you. I don't know if I would know any grass. If you told me, hey, what's your favorite type of grass? I green, Yeah, like you're saying the green one, the, you know, the pointy edges? I don't know. What the fuck you want? Yeah, I had no clue. There were many options. He had like this little pamphlet with all these different grasses. And then um, – so, of course, I'm like, well, I'll take the cheapest one, right? Because I'm already annoyed that I have to do this. And then he's like, oh, no, no, no. Well, you don't <laughs> want that you one. Away from that. That's great. Because he's like, that's a bad grass for Texas because of the sun. I'm like, then why are you showing it to me? Like, show me my options. And then he showed me, like, the one grass option for Texas, which wasn't the most expensive, thankfully. But he's like, this is what you want in Texas. And I'm thinking to myself, sir, we could have made this conversation 15 seconds. Instead, we're leafing through a grass pamphlet, and you're showing me grass. Well, he that thinks you're, you're Mr. Homeowner, and you give a shit. Little did he know that, yeah. I, I, there's got to be some way for you to just right off the bat be like, look, sir, I don't give two fucks, and I'm never going to go outside to look at it. So just as quick as possible. Just put something I, down and call it a day. <laughs> like, I don't even remember the name of it. All I know is he was like, this is the one for Texas. I'm like, sold. Did We could have done this, you know. We could have done this four minutes ago, sir. We didn't need to, you know, go leafing through grasses that you're not even giving me the option to buy. Because I, like you, I thought he was giving me an upsell. Like, oh, you don't want that one because I picked the cheapest one. But then he started explaining the Texas sun and the angle of the fucking equator and all this bullshit. I'm like, listen, then just give me that one. I, Because quite honestly, I'm tired of this conversation and I just want to go back in the house. This is what I'm thinking to myself, you know. There's probably a baseball game on it or something. I didn't want to deal with this. But uh, that was it. You know, so no, no other yard work for me. I, I, uh, no, that wasn't me either. Now that I think about it, I made my girlfriend do that at the time. Um, yeah, cause I have this, like this bush in the backyard that we planted to, to cover like the gas meter cause the gas meter was ugly. So I wanted to put like a, a, some kind of bush there or something, but I made my girlfriend go out and plant it. I didn't even do that. <laughs> I, I bought the bush. Like I went to the to the to Lowe's or whatever and bought the bush. I asked the guy, I'm like, I you know, how I need a, something that's gonna grow and cover up this gas meter. So he suggested the bush, I brought it home, but then my girlfriend at the time 
the ex-fiance, I sent her out there to like dig the hole and shit, and she planted it. But that bush is still out there, and it's fucking huge now, and you cannot see the gas meter. So mission accomplished, George George W. Bush style, right? Mission accomplished. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Except so, yours actually was true. <laughs> Other one. Yeah, yeah. My bush really did grow. So <laughs> right. it's it's yeah. Um. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, there you I, go. Rich, rich, I, listen, I'm a very lazy man when it comes to physical things. I, and I admit that, you know, I don't pretend to know things. So was this any different when you were in New Jersey? Like, were you out there? I, I, I don't expect, I, I don't expect you're like, you're out there with a weed whacker when you were living in New Jersey, right? No, nah, I don't do anything. I don't work <laughs> on cars. I don't do yard work. Uh, none of that shit. You know, um, I just, I don't know. Like people make fun of me. They're like, "Whoa, you don't change your own oil?" No. Oh God, I don't I, either. Yeah, I don't touch I, I, cars. I don't touch cars, man. I don't. There's certain things that I don't want to fuck up. And yeah, cars are. I warn that I'm not even going to touch because, like, I know that if I tried something, I'd ruin it, and it would cost me eight times as much to get whatever I fucked up fixed. So it's like, forget it. I'll just pay some dude thirty five dollars to you know do an oil change or oh, it's phenomenal. Or yeah. <laughs> You, you pull into the little hooded garage, they do it for you in 10 minutes, and you're on your way. And then you don't have any fucking, you don't get your hands dirty, none of that shit. I don't understand why anyone would do that themselves. Why would you take out, it's going to take you twice as long as it takes them, unless you have a pulling garage where you can go into like underneath the car. Like, you got to slide under your vehicle. You're getting all dirty. Why would you wake up early on a Saturday and do that on purpose? I, I will never understand like the mindset of these people. Like, why would you do these things on purpose when it is so cheap? It's not like it's rich. It's not like it's three hundred dollars. You know what I mean? It's like thirty bucks. I, it, it 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 never computes for me. Uh, I've never I've never kind of I've never understood that. But uh, now I can understand. Okay, I get working on a car because you could save a lot of money that way, right? Your fucking carburetor blows. The cars even have carburetors anymore. I don't even <laughs> Dude, you're asking the wrong like, person, man. I don't know. <laughs> like your carburetor blows. People talk car pop- stuff to me and like give me, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a an eight cylinder, and I'm like, I don't care, <laughs> dude. Like, you know, yeah, oh, what, like I'm, I'm in the market for like, you know, I'm gonna get a new car somewhat soon, and people are like, oh well, there's like, and I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna walk and be like, yeah, cool, nice stereo, all right. <laughs> like, like, does it drive? <laughs> okay, good. Like, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't. It, I, it, I have no pride in what my car looks like. What's under the hood? I just wanted to get me from point A to point B. I don't care. I have no clue, honestly. When sunroof, I test drive, maybe. I like that. if I get to the sunroof, that's cool. Other than that, I really don't give a shit. It's stereo sunroof. I'm good. That's all I really need I, out of it. So. I'm totally with you. Whenever I test drive a car, like I, I'll be honest, like the number one factor for me is do I feel like I'm cool when I'm sitting in it? Like, does the dashboard look cool? In, like when the lights are off and the lights come on, like when it's dark out, is there like a, a sunroof gimmick? Like you're like, I want to feel like I'm cool inside of it. That's like my number one factor. I, I don't know anything about fucking, I don't know what good, like as ah, people are like, ah, does it get good gas mileage? I'm like, no clue. No idea. Well, how many miles a gallon are you getting? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Didn't ask. <laughs> Have no four, idea. No four clue. or six cylinder or whatever. I don't even know if those are the right numbers. I fucking know. <laughs> I, I like I fill the tank every three days. They're <laughs> right. like that's not enough information. I'm like I know, but that's all I got for you. I don't know. 
um, you know, it, it costs well, they do me... that, like, if I go, sometimes I go and, like, um, I'll try to get, like, a new spark plug or whatever. Because I'm dumb and I think I should just replace my own spark. I think I, I can do that. It's, like, the one car thing I can do. Uh, and it's hilarious. You go to, like, you know, the AutoZone or whatever, or advanced auto parts or whatever. And I tell them, okay, yeah, I tell them my car. And they're like, yeah, is it a, a four-cylinder, eight-cylinder? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> just go out there and see for yourself, man. Yeah, I don't fucking I... know. Like... <laughs> I'm paying you. Get out right. there. Exactly. Yeah, you tell you me know? what. I just told you what the make is. You're, 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 you know, it's good enough that I know what year and what make it is, but that's about all I uh, all I can really do for you. That happens, that happens every time I need tires. Without fail, every time I need tires, I go in there, and the guy at the at the desk is like, uh, what, what, what size tires do you have? And I just <laughs> stare. And he, he gives me like that. You ever – he gives me that that like – He's ashamed of me, look. Yeah, oh, no, 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 yeah, because it's like, hello, fellow man, like, let's talk hard. I'm like, yep, not going to help you here, bud. Yeah, I got nothing for you, man. You're going to have to go outside. He wants to literally talk it. shop with me, and I'm like, bro, I, I got nothing for you. So it's going to be a one-sided conversation. So. <laughs> There's a good chance, even if I go outside and look at the tire, I'm going to read you the wrong number. Oh, yeah, I have like, no confidence. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is I think I have the right number. And then I, like, I'm like, i like, I think, you know, and, and I never answer with any amount of confidence. And thankfully, yeah. they can pick up on that and usually just go, uh, you know, we'll go out and make sure. And they're like, you know, like. I'm usually yeah. right, but I'm like, yeah, uh, four cylinder. Like, yeah, I think they're you know these size tires. And he's like, uh, let, let's go look. Let, let's go take a look here. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, like that sticker they put in the window at a new car lot. Like, I don't even think I ever look at that. Like, I do. I feel cool inside the car, and then when I'm when I go sit down with the guy, then like I I'm into the negotiation that I get into. I am so into that. Like, I will sit there and haggle with the oh guy. Oh God. Ugh. I will send him back to his boss a hundred <sighs> times. Word. Oh, it's so bad. I can't believe you enjoy that. Oh, I get so into that. We bought a car last year and um, I was, I was so excited to buy a car with TLB for the first time. So I could show her my savvy Jeez. negotiating skills and how Joe Lanza plays hardball in the negotiating room. Man, was that exciting. What a thrill that was sending this guy back to the fucking finance room over and over, probably cursing me out every time he went in there. You know, but I got the deal I wanted like that. I'll get the two things that matter to me. Do I feel cool inside the car? And I am paying the monthly payment that I want to pay. Those two things are all that matter to me. The rest, I don't even know. So I don't pretend to know. And I don't pretend that it's important. These salesmen, they just talk. And I understand that's their job and most people care. But I don't even I have no clue what they're talking about with any of that shit. You know, a lot of times you ever get this one, they're like, you want me to pop open the hood for you? And I'm like, nah. Yeah, they do all the time. Yeah, I'm like, I don't care. So what happened was, is, uh, you know, most recently, you know, Michelle bought a new car uh, and I went to go meet her when she she was already at the dealership talking to the guys or whatever. So I show up and this guy, he thinks, okay, the dude's here. So let me talk about that. I'm like, like, yeah, he starts. He's like, oh, all right, let's, let's talk. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And he tries to, he tells me all the specs on the car. I'm like, I don't fucking care. He probably starts adjusting his belt, like lifting up his belt. Yeah, like, oh, here comes the hardball. Yeah, here we go. This guy's going to ask me the tough questions. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) She probably knows more about it than I do. So that's, she probably worked on more cars than I have. So that's. Yeah, I think the only questions we asked our guy is where do we plug in our cell phones? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Does this have Sirius XM built in? Like, that's what we asked, you know. Um, And, you know, we drove it around the block a couple times, and then it was – then I cracked my knuckles and headed in for for the negotiation, which is my favorite portion of buying a car. I mean, I've thought about going to car lots and just getting to the negotiation point 
with no intent of buying the car, just to to, to have that like uh, adrenaline rush of being in the negotiation. Yeah, well, that's actually not a bad idea because then you, like this guy can give you it's like here's my best deal, and you're like no, nope, not going to do it. And you walk away, you just leave. You know what I mean? You're out. Yeah. That guy's going to be shook for years after that. I've done. I mean, I've done that legitimately when I'm looking for cars. I've walked out. You know what I need to do here? I'm, I'm going to actually fly you over because I'm in, I'm in the uh, the market for a new car. What I'm going to have you do, I'm going to fly you over here, uh, have you negotiate with a guy, you leave, and I come in right after that. Right. To the same guy, and he's going to be shook, and he's going to want to yeah. sell a car right away. That's actually not uh, a bad yeah. plan. All right, okay, hold on. That's... We just quietly switch. Like, I just quietly stand up and leave. You quietly walk in and sit down with your pen. You click the pen, and you're like, give me my paperwork because you know I got you the deal you asked for. Right. That's what you want to do. You just need me to broker the deal. And then you come in and and you physically buy the car. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd be more than willing to do Let's that. Let's do that. Yeah. Next time. Uh, next time you're in the area. We'll, uh, <laughs> or the first time you're in the area. So. I will risk. I will risk the COVID. That's fine. And, That's good. Yeah. Fly to Chicago. Uh, I hate that port. I, I that, that part I hate. I, I hate That's negotiating. Not- so, yeah. Come on, that's a lot of fun. What don't you like about it? I just want to leave. It's so annoying. The worst part is like sometimes I'm just like, whatever, dude. And like they still are like, all right, well, um, uh, they're they're like still talking and they're still in the go. I'm like, all right, I'm over it, man. Like, whatever, let's go. Yeah, but they always they always come out with the worst offer. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I usually I'll give them like one or two times, but then there's like the yeah, let me hmm, maybe we can do that. Let me go talk to my guy. And I know you're just in the other room, like sipping coffee or you know checking your your mail. And I'm like, come on, let's go. Like let's. It could be a lot quicker. It could just let let's go. Let's let's push it. I I just like you're you're three hours in. You just want to go home. You just you're just over it. Except for you, you apparently love it. So now there's so much you can negotiate though. I mean, it, you can you can get them to come down on the sticker. You can get them to give you more for your trade in. You can um, you know give them to you can adjust the the uh, the the length of the of the uh, of the of the loan. You can try to uh, adjust the rate that they're giving you. Try a different bank. Like there's so yeah, many. Yeah, that sounds angles. terrible. I don't want to do any of this. So. Oh, I get into I'd that. I'd rather plant an azalea bush than do do all that for sure. See that? <laughs> See, I'm the complete opposite. I'd rather sit in an air conditioned office. And 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 play chicken with another man, alpha versus alpha, you know, and just, you know, see who wins. And it's always me. You know why? Because you always have the power to stand up and walk out. And they don't see that. That's what you have that they don't have. You know, they're always going to they're going to keep trying to sell you the car. And no point are they going to say, I've decided I don't want to sell you this vehicle. But you can say, I have decided not to buy this vehicle. And you can do the walkout. And uh, my walkouts are never fake. The one fake move I do use is I will grab TLB and, and say, I'll do the all, you know what? Ugh, we really got to go talk about it. Can we have, we, we need some privacy and I'll take her outside, but then we'll just talk about what we're going to have for dinner. And I'll use animated hand motions and I'll act like we're going to, you know, because you know, they're watching your body language when you're out there, you know? So, and then you come back in after the, tough conversation with the wife <laughs> you know and it's good to do it as a team because you could have a good cop and a bad cop one of you really wants the car real bad right and the other one's more nonchalant like ah, i can take or leave the car you can't have two people who are like frothing at the mouth for the car you can't be like that you know so there's a lot of different techniques and strategies i really get into that I, i'm excited talking about it. yeah like, i'd rather just like you tell me the price and i just give you the price and i just get the car in like 10 minutes that would be a lot easier but you know, that's normally my technique for most things, but for whatever reason, like when I bought the house, same thing. Like I really got into the negotiation part of that with the house and with the cars. But when it comes to other shit, like buying the grass for the yard, just fucking give me one. 
tell me what I need and I just I'll fucking buy it. But uh, I don't know. That's it, it's interesting. You'd rather go out there and fucking put on your Duke the Dumpster Josie gloves and fucking garden. And I have no interest in that. Like none. To me, that just feels like work I'm not getting paid for. You know, that's how I I, I, I see that as. It's the labor of love, for sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll say that. But, uh, man, we got a lot to cover this week, despite the 30 minutes of car negotiations <laughs> and lawn talk. Uh, plenty to get to. We're, of course, going to preview uh, AEW's Double or Nothing going on uh, this weekend. We're going to talk about Dragon Gate's King of Gate, uh, AAA's Lucha Fighter uh, Tournament, uh, a little bit about the Dark Side of the Ring Owen Hart special uh, that aired this week, and uh, also the Martha Hart appearance on the uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. I believe you, you listen to that, uh, correct? The Martha Hart appearance? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that. With Meltzer and yes. uh, Jim Valley, you mean? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, is, it was awesome, too. So we'll, we'll talk about that. I think it goes, it, it coincides with the Owen Hart uh, dark side a lot. But uh, unfortunately, uh, some sad news to start this portion of the show with as two pretty tragic deaths in pro wrestling uh, this week as uh, Shad, uh, formerly of Crime Time of, of WWE, uh, he drowned in, uh, what was it, Venice Beach, I think, or, or near Venice Beach in California. A uh, horrible, horrible story. Uh, about that and almost on the same day like I, I think it was like 10 minutes after the news that Shad had disappeared uh, off the coast we then heard that 401 Mania's Larry Zonka who is a long 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 time flagship supporter flagship listener voices of wrestling supporter a guy that I know a ton of people that are listening to this have have read uh, interacted with whatever it is I mean you, you've, you've if you've read wrestling reviews on the internet you've probably read a Larry Zonka review at some point and uh, yeah it just kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere it was a real big one-two punch. I, I believe it was either Monday or Tuesday uh, when those came out. But uh, yeah, what what are maybe we'll start with? Let's start with Larry first. Um, what, what kind of memories did you have of, of Larry, and 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 how did you sort of react when you heard the news? Well, I mean, I think um, I've always said this, and I've said it on the air a million times. I mean, he's the most prolific wrestling reviewer I've ever seen, and um, he might be the most prolific wrestling reviewer of all time, realistically. Um, there's probably nobody who has ever who has reviewed more wrestling matches and wrestling shows than he did. I mean, if there is, I can't think of him. Um, you know, he literally did everything. You know, the big ones like Raw, SmackDown, and Impact. But you know, he would do Explosion. He would do main events. He would do Superstars, Two Hundred Five like, Live DVD releases that like, Tony still had. It's like Tony's greatest ladder matches number seven, and there's a Larry Zonka review. You're like, what, Larry? <laughs> yeah, and every New Japan show that streamed on New Japan World, right down to, um, you know, even if they would do, uh, you know, a, a, an ultimately meaningless house show and you know single cam and some village somewhere with a six-man tag on top you know he'd review it in the Ustream days all of those uh dragon gate shows and 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 new japan shows and and stuff that would pop up on Ustream. basically if it was legally consumable wrestling in the united states he reviewed it and and it's just um you know i would think about just the work ethic that would go into that in terms of Rich, when I write a review, and I don't write reviews often anymore, but I used to write a lot of reviews, you, they take me like half a day. I mean, you know, because I'd be turning them into you. And it's like, you know, it, it'd be an exhausting process, you know, and, and, you know, Larry was writing like three a day for all these, you know, various shows going on. And, um, 
no, he was a different style of reviewer. I mean, it was a very meat and potatoes review, which is why I think it appealed to people because it, it's like if you missed SmackDown and you just needed the quick and dirty rundown of what SmackDown was about or you wanted to know if you were pressed for time and wanted to know if there was anything on Raw or Impact that you had to go out of your way to see, his reviews were perfect for that. And I think that's why they appealed to people. You know, it tell you whether he liked the matches or not. And then he tell you whether he liked the show or not and why. And, you know, they weren't, um, they weren't, uh, you know, thick, heavy reads. They were to the point. They gave you the information you needed and they were reliable, like clockwork. These shows would end, the reviews would be up. And, uh, and as I said, he reviewed everything. And, you know, and he's been doing it like he was part of that first wave of people yeah. who were reviewing wrestling on the internet. You know, back when the quote unquote IWC really was, you know, if you say internet wrestling community, now you sound like a doofus because everybody's on the internet. There is no internet wrestling community. Every wrestling fan has an internet connection. We all have phones in our pockets and we're, you know, constantly connected. But there was a time where the term IWC really did mean a different subsect of fan. When people didn't have, when everyone didn't have a personal computer in their house or an internet connection. And he was part of that first wave with your Scott Keiths and your Christopher Robin Zimmermans and your, your sites like Mikasa and Scoops and all that. And Angry Marks, I think was one of them, right? Wasn't it? And your news groups and things and things of that nature where it was your first wave of people who weren't newsletter writers who had a voice. You know, that first wave of, of, of internet wrestling fans and, and, you know, who had a voice. And, and really, he outlasted most of those people. And but he was from that era, right? Yeah, especially and, in prominence, I would say, because some of those guys are still hanging around. Like a Scott Keith is still kind of hanging around, but like not that many people, you know. Like some of those dudes are still around and still kind of doing stuff, but very few have like the prominence that that Larry still had. I mean, he he outlived many and 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 became you know a bigger deal and stayed a bigger deal than a lot of them uh, as well, which is pretty uh, remarkable. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, number one. That all coincided the rise of the internet and everything with what you know the the attitude era, and you know when when the attitude era went away and WCW went away, a lot of those people just lost interest in wrestling and stopped writing about it. So you lost some that way. Others, their writing style just didn't translate to the modern era. I mean, this was a lot of those guys from that era who were writing about wrestling were a product of their time. It was the Attitude Era and South Park and ECW and, you know, it was the 90s and it was way before like woke culture was even a thought um, or, you know, or, or what anybody knew what that was. I mean, I guess back then you called it PC, uh, but it was different then and you can get away with more. And these guys were writers that were products of their time and that writing style just it, it became passe. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't adjust they faded away because nobody it just it just society shifted and changed and you know so a lot of them faded out because of that and then the third factor is once the attitude era ended and WCW went away and 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 everything it's like um a lot of people just lost interest in wrestling so but 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 Zonka was 
never wrote in that style. And he was just, like I said, a meat and potatoes review guy. So his style would translate in any era, you know, and, and, and his reviews really were the go-to for a lot of people who just wanted to wake up in the morning, see how the show was and decide whether or not they wanted to watch it or watch certain matches off of it. And Rich, we were getting messages and, and DMS and stuff from people inside wrestling Mm -hmm. who were saying that, these were their go-to reviews. Yeah, that's that. That I think was the most incredible thing. Like, I I know that you know we had contributors to the website that were like, "Oh my god!" You know, every day I wake up and see what Larry reviewed, or I use Larry for, as a guide to see what to watch and whatnot. And and that makes sense. Like, that's in our little circle. That made all the sense in the world that they would go to four on one and they would check out Larry's reviews and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the, the people that were were popping up saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's dead!" Or oh, and then we saw you know like a, a, a Kevin Cena or Kevin Owens or whatever even tweeting out about it. And it's like you know we always say that like you, you <laughs> and we tell it to everybody who contributes to the website uh, anybody that posts anywhere on the website is like you 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 probably don't know how many people are actually reading listening and watching this stuff that we do like you would be I, shocked at the amount of industry people that listen to this podcast right now are in the discord are looking at comments you, you know what i mean like there's a lot of them out there and it, laying it, in the weeds and you never know right, it. right and, and it's always it, these are moments where it really is like obvious who is doing it and, and you see a little bit more of it when something like this happens and those wrestlers that are connected and are kind of contributing and watching and, and listening and all that sort of stuff they start to come out of the, not, not necessarily out of the woodwork but then they start kind of showing their faces and and show their admiration for the work that people do they can't outwardly every single week you know go out there and say hey thanks larry for the you know, review or whatever but they they appreciate it and they know it you know and 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 you know they read they they they're connected you know a lot of people think that these wrestlers are all like you know thin-skinned losers or whatever a lot of them read all this stuff all the time and you know you only hear you know the thin-skinned ones show themselves is really what it comes down there's probably some thin-skinned ones who don't who are smart enough not to show themselves but grumble and yeah they they read it and go ah that guy's a fucking asshole you know click out of their yeah, but they're smart enough not to pick that fight. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, ah, what the point. fuck does this asshole know? And then he click out of it, so. Right. But it's like, I, it's like you're saying, you know, I, I tell everyone who writes for us or does a podcast for us, assume whoever you're talking about is going to see it, read it, or hear it. Just assume they're going to. It doesn't mean they're going to, but m- m- like you're saying, more people than you think will. And when I say that, it's not, it's not that I want – to take the edge off of what you're writing or what you're saying on the air, but it's it's just to to make sure that you're being fair. Because if you're not fair, then you're giving people a, a legitimate gripe. Critique is fair game. And most pro wrestlers understand that. And they're not going to get on you for for fair critiques even if they disagree. But it, 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 yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, with Larry, I mean, he was even the go-to reviews for for people inside the industry, Yeah, you know, because his style was very palatable for that type of consumption of, man, I'm not watching 205 Live every week. I'm just going to see what Zonka has to say, and when he says it's good, then I'll give them my half hour, you know, and, and – a ton of people listening right now can can relate to that. You know, I, I sent a little funny anecdote over Twitter. It's like we've all had that conversation where it's like, um, you know, uh, you're you're thinking about whether to watch a show, and you and, and you ask somebody, "What did Zonka give it?" You know, everyone has had that conversation. You know, and then and then you go from there. And if he didn't like it, you're like, "Ah, I'll blow it off then. I'm not going to worry about it." We had a conversation like that 
in our Slack channel the day before he died. Yeah. The day before the man died, we had that exact conversation in our, you know, it's like, and he really, and, and that's where it's like that quiet influence he had. You know, if he gave a show a bad review, less eyeballs were going to see that show because people trusted his reviews and they'd hand wave it. And on the opposite side of the token, if he gave something you don't normally watch a decent review, you'd go out of your way and, and, and maybe check out a match or a show that he put over. So, you know, very influential reviewer and, um, you know, very well liked. He wasn't anyone who he didn't feud with anybody. I mean, no, I think that's know, actually the most remarkable thing about him is that, you know, 15, 20 years of, of doing this thing and really nobody has a bad word to say about the guy. And, and that's, and then, you know, not obviously even before his death, like, you know, go back two months ago, there's nobody that's saying, ah, fuck Larry Zonka. That guy's an asshole. Like nobody. And that's impossible. Everybody hates everybody. Everybody hates yeah. everybody on this internet. Like you, you very rarely find anybody who doesn't have a, a bubble. Like I, I couldn't. Uh, maybe there there might be. I don't know. I've never seen it though. I've never seen one person say, "Ah, yeah, that Larry Zonka guy. What a jerk. I don't like that guy." Like, and that's remarkable. That's unbelievable that he was able to do that. Yeah, and navigate well, these know, waters. I mean, these waters are ridiculous. <laughs> Sharks. That everywhere. was his refuse style, though. It was just meat, right. and potatoes, and sort of facts. And um, you know, he didn't he didn't go on fiery rants to bury things. He just if he didn't like it, he said he didn't like it. He said why, and he slapped one star on it. You know, and 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 uh, I think in the very early days he may have had some disputes with some of those early guys, but you know, back then it was the Wild West, and everyone was trying to top each other and see who could be more edgy, and that's just what the style was back then. Um, so you know that that was just a different time, and again, that's why a lot of those guys faded away, you know, because they couldn't adjust with the times, and um, they couldn't they couldn't change with the culture and 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 change you know with the way that wrestling changed. But he endured all that. And I mean, I know he had some health problems and he had his leg amputated last year. Um, so, and I don't know the details of his death or anything, but um, I think I read somewhere he had some heart issues too on top of, of everything else. But, um, you know, we communicate with him. I, I'd communicate with him, you know, um, through email, you know, a couple times a year, like around match of the year time, because mm-hmm. he, he was our point man for that website. So I would send, I would email Larry the ballot. And then he would distribute it to the rest of, of the 411, you know, wrestling team. And, you know, we'd send a couple emails back and forth. And, you know, we would DM him a little sometimes and just banter with him on Twitter. After he got his leg amputated, I used to break his balls about his leg. And he had a good sense of humor. Like, it wasn't mean-spirited or anything. And he'd laugh about it and stuff. Um, you know, so my interactions with him were always incredibly positive. I never met him. Um, I don't think you met him either, but no, never did. Yeah. never met him. Yeah. Personally. But I mean, you know, very pleasant guy and you know, just, uh, the interactions were always good. He was always one of the first people to turn in a match of the year ballot. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was a listener of the show. Oh, he was. Yeah. I heard from a few people that, um, uh, that said that, you know, one thing that they remember, there was even uh Jeremy uh, Lambert, who was, who was a writer, uh, at four on one, I went on the, they, they had a little podcast, like kind of a memory to, to Larry podcast thing. So I jumped on there. Uh, and he uh, he let me know that like he stayed over at Larry's house once, and it was like the middle of the night, and he couldn't sleep. 
So Jeremy, like, so Jeremy went over to the other room to try to fall asleep or whatever. And Larry's like, ah, I can't really fall asleep. So, but, uh, I'll be in this room or whatever. And then Jeremy said he would, he would lay down and like five minutes later, here's you screaming because Larry would listen to us like in the middle of the night. And he's just like, he's like, ah, you know, it was, it was cool that like Larry liked you guys, but I really like really prevented me from sleeping a lot. Cause I was like, Larry, can you turn it down a little bit? Like Joe's very, very loud. And so, no, I think he, I don't think he missed an episode, which is pretty, uh. Uh, pretty remarkable, yeah, and, and, and annoyed his his friends and family with, with our voices as well. So. Yeah, I, that's great. I mean, I'm glad that I prevented Jeremy Lambert from getting a good night's sleep. That's <laughs> tremendous news. You know, this it's like um, a lot of times when I meet people at shows and stuff, they'll be like, my wife fucking hates you. I've heard that like four or five times. My wife hates you. She's like the, the guy with the New York accent that's always screaming and yelling. You listening to that asshole again? I'm like, listen, that's a badge of honor to me. So, uh, uh, so I don't know. It is good. I'm glad Jeremy Lambert had trouble sleeping that night. But yeah, he he was the first one to retweet, you know, the the show every week. Yeah, on early Twitter. on too. That that's what I'll really remember mostly about Larry is like when we were still hundred two hundred people listening to the show for some. And he ran a huge website at that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he in no way, shape, or form should have been retweeting these little dopes podcasts or whatever. But he did. He he would retweet us, and he would listen to it all every single week and talk to us every single week. And and I really do. I think he was a big reason why we, we grew as much as we did, you know, when we did. Because, like I said, he, he ran a quote-unquote competing website, a big-time competing website, one that wasn't even in our league when we started. And, and, and maybe still isn't even in our league, considering uh, the amount of traffic they get. But every single week, he'd retweet us, talk to us, interact with us. And I was like, dude, what? Are you like you're you don't need to do this like you're, yeah. you're you run a way bigger site that's competing with us that has podcasts and all that sort of stuff but that's just kind of the guy that larry was if he liked you if he thought it was good he'd, he'd retweet it and interact with you so yeah so um yeah his gofundme is doing real well so that's yeah good. yeah yeah we have so. if, if you want you can look up larry zonka gofundme uh or uh at voicewrestling.com we have that remembering larry zonka piece where you and i both contributed and every contributor uh, or, or many of the contributors of Voices Wrestling uh, all kind of gave their thoughts about Larry, and we we have a link in there as well. But it's it looks like it's going to reach its goal pretty quickly, which is is awesome because he's got a family that he's leaving behind, and and that's always the biggest tragedy uh, in these things. So and it, and it wasn't a gimmick name, you know. In wrestling, it's tough to tell sometimes. But oh, from day one, I always thought it was. I remember one time, like I I think early on in the DM, I was like, "That's a hilarious name, man," and he's like, "No, it's my name," and I'm like, "But <laughs> what do you mean?" He's like, "No, my name's Larry Zonka." And I was like. How? No, your name's not Larry. Like, there's only one Larry Zonka, and he played for the Dolphins in the 70s or whatever. Because I really thought, like, why wouldn't, you know, gimmick names in wrestling are, you know, especially in the wrestling space are, are pretty numerous. And I always laughed that this guy chose, like, you know, to, to memorialize, you know, the 70s Dolphins with his name. And he's like, no, that, that's my name, man. I was like, oh, all right. Pretty cool name, though. I mean, that's not a bad name. When you get When the name draft comes, being actually legit named Larry Zonka, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Um, I wish I was Mercury you know. Morris, though. That'd be a little bit cooler, but that's it. Cool ass name. Yeah, that but. was a. Um, oh, that, that's another dolphin uh, backfield mate. Yeah, why? Of, why like, they have like four running backs? <laughs> well, it was it was it was Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, and Jim Kick, and uh, another cool name. But um, yeah, they were all in the backfield together. I believe on if they weren't all on the undefeated team in '72, they were all on the team during that era. Like I don't know if they all played together. And I think they were all on the '72 team though. Um. But yeah, it's a different game back then. I mean, you know, they, I didn't, didn't um, Bob Greasy throw like nine passes in that Super Bowl? Or <laughs> Probably, yeah. So you just, you just. Yeah, let's, a... let's see here. Let's get the old box score going here. I don't know why. I have, uh, yeah, Bob Greasy was eight of eleven for eighty-eight yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And uh, make sure all three of those guys are on that team. Uh, Jim Kickler, Zonka, Mercury, Morris. Yeah, yeah. So Zonka actually got the most carries as the fullback. Uh, Morris was second, and then Jim Kick was 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 third in in um, in rushes. So yeah, they were both they were all there. Uh, Zonka attempted 15 rushes that game. Kick did 12. Mercury Morris did 10. Yeah, they attempted 11 passes. This is a horrible game. Jesus, 14 to seven. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, that's a famous. That's a legendary Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's, many... that's a legendary Super Bowl. Yeah, Jim Kick got a touchdown, and uh, Bob Greasy uh, threw a a touchdown too so good for him yeah efficient eight of 11 <laughs> right that's not bad not bad eight of 11 for 88 yards not bad i mean you know if you're gonna it's it's if you're gonna throw the ball 11 times eight for 11 especially if you have that kind of running game but that was just it was a different game back then you know and they had a really good defense uh obviously well, obviously they went undefeated they were really good uh on all sides of the ball but um was are you still looking at it? Was, I closed I, out, but I, I can get it up pretty quick. I have it in my Paul my Warfield was probably the big receiver on that team. He <sighs> Paul see. Warfield was ahead of his time as a receiver. He was he was lightning fast, and the thing with Paul Warfield is he was on the team. Yes, yeah. So you look at his numbers, and you're like, ah, he had 600 yards or whatever. But they threw the ball 10 times a game, you know. So that and and they played 14 game seasons. So it's like you look at a guy like poor Paul Warfield and, and his numbers don't like jump off the page. But then you look and he averaged like 25 yards a catch. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that's that's actually about what I was going to bring up. So he, he comes to the Dolphins in 1970, 25 yards per reception. The next year, 1971, he gets 11 touchdowns, 23 yards per reception. <laughs> Yeah, and and he may have never had like a thousand yard season, but he was... uh, he did in 1968 as a Brown. But yeah, that's it. That, that's otherwise, yeah, 886 yards, 703 yards, uh, almost on the 71, 996, and then on the 72 undefeated team, uh, 606. Um, yeah, yards. That's so, nuts. <laughs> Twenty yards of reception. <laughs> so you so it's like you look at that guy's numbers, and it doesn't jump off the page, and he probably doesn't have a lot of black ink because they just weren't throwing a lot of passes. Uh, you know, in that offense, but super respected. He's a hall of famer. He was probably a pro bowler every year. A, 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 he was probably an all pro uh, most of the time during those years. And it's just, you know, it was just the style of play. And it, it wasn't, you know, the world didn't revolve around fantasy football. I'm not trying to sound old. I like fantasy sports as much as the next guy, but sometimes that clouds our vision of what's really going on, you know, uh, on the field of play, you know, it, it's nobody would argue that Paul Warfield, you know, was, was, you know, one of the greatest receivers of that era and, and a legitimate hall of famer. I mean, you look at the numbers and you're just, you might not come away impressed just looking at the back of the football card. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, which what a horrible like line of conversation, because if there was one thing Larry Zonka was probably tired of, it was, is your name really Larry Zonka? I'm sure. Oh yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then here we are talking about the 72 Dolphins because his name is Larry Zonka. <laughs> right. So, but listen, the man was a flagship listener. He'd probably appreciate that tangent, you know, because if you're listening to the flagship from day one and you're listening to it every week, you got to have some kind of tolerance for those tangents. So he may have even been a big fan of those tangents, but um, look, it leaves a huge void in the space of wrestling reviews. Oh, impossible no to replace. Yeah, he, he is 100% impossible to replace. And and, and I He's, think everybody kind of knows that, too. Like, nobody can can match his work ethic. That's a man who literally, I, I don't know if he slept. He had 30 hours in a day or so. I don't know what the hell he did that, that allowed him to review as much as he did. But, yeah, <laughs> one of one. Like, nobody will ever be able to match that work ethic. 
Even if they forget try. Forget just forget just writing them all, which is enough of a task. Watching, and, and, you know, <laughs> watching this watching shit. It People all. do not understand that about wrestling reviews. Is that I, I guess like if you only watch like one thing, I, I don't know. But like the idea that like this when, before a flagship goes on, like the first the four days before a flagship, literally all I do is watch wrestling to get ready yeah. for this. That's all I do. And, like, he was watching it every day, every second. Every Main event, 205 Live, Seth Rollins' best of ladder matches. <laughs> like, you know, anything that he could review. I'm looking at his, ma- I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his, uh, you know, his author page right now on 401 Mania. He's got, like, 30 posts in May alone. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I, and it's like, impact. I write one. <laughs> you know, and weekly impact reviews from I write one New Japan review, and I'm like, I'm not reviewing shit for three months now. That was that takes so much out of me. This guy's got 30 reviews in May, you know, an incomplete month. Those guys were laughing too. That uh, well, he does like he does like explosion and stuff, and that's pretty funny. But yeah, those guys on the yeah. podcast, the ones that work with them on on 411, uh, said that like last year, I guess WWE released like WWE 2K19 like match sims or whatever on their website and like, <laughs> reviewed them like earnestly. <laughs> Oh, come on. It was like three stars slapping, slapping stars on like sim matches or whatever. And they're like, Larry, come on, man. Like, you don't have to yeah. do that. Pump the brakes. Jeez. And then they're like, they're reading the review, though. But like, because Larry had that hook, they were like, I mean, you get three stars to this sim match. Should I go watch it? Like, right. Like four and a half stars to this, you know, Ric Flair versus Great Muda match on uh, 2K19. I don't know. Maybe I should go check it out. So, <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. But, yeah uh, just an absolute maniac. You can't. You can't. I mean... Yeah, you can't replace that in the space, and um, he leaves. Ba- he leaves an incredible resource. I mean, if you want to know how the you know episode of Explosion was in 2016, I mean, it's there. So, um, yeah, just a, a a huge loss and a huge void in the space. And uh, you know, obviously, you feel for his family. Nobody, nobody should ever die that young. Um, you know, terrible, terrible story. But as we said, again, uh, Remembering Larry Zonka is up at voicewrestling.com, and there's a link there for the uh, the GoFundMe. So if you have $5, $2, $1, whatever you can contribute, uh, it'll it'll definitely help. And, and we're getting there. It's very, very close uh, as well. So hopefully uh, hopefully it does meet its goal, and, and, and you know, we can help that family out uh, a little bit. But uh, another family, unfortunately, lost uh, a, a figure this week, or a figure in wrestling history, as Shad. Uh, as we mentioned, almost you know, 10 minutes before we heard about Larry's death, uh, we heard that Shad had been you know missing off the coast uh, somewhere near Venice Beach, and yeah, unfortunately, as as everybody kind of suspected was going to unfortunately be the case, and gives a little bit of closure to the family, but still just an awful, awful story is uh, Shad drowning uh, uh, in the water. But uh, the story of him, you know, that that everybody tells that you know him and his ten year old son were both caught uh, in a rip current, and and you know lifeguards were coming there, and, and Shad said, no, 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 get my son first, get my son first. Uh, so the son was able to be saved and rescued, but yeah, Shad unfortunately. Uh, passed away so it's like a it's a really cool story in some sense that you know he, he, he being a father you know sacrificed for his child or whatnot but just awful because you just wish that he would have popped up 10 seconds later and said oh great everyone's good but yeah real real terrible story and yeah the outpouring of support's been pretty cool uh, as well to see this week yeah um i don't fuck with the ocean um you know it, it's just it, it, it's it's terrible, you know. You don't you, you don't know when those undertows or those riptides are going to yeah. come. I've been caught in and... one too. It's it's terrible, man. I I was in uh, I was actually in that area. Like I think maybe even the same was I in Ven- I was either in Venice or or Malibu, but really really close to where Shad um, um passed away. And and I was you know doing bodyboarding, and my my board got caught in like an undercurrent, and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't reach to my arm to like get it unhooked. 
and I'm just getting dragged in the ground. I was literally underwater for like two minutes, just trying to figure out how to get. Finally, I was able to power up enough to take the wrist strap off and, and let the board go and, and get up. But it's like Jesus Christ! Like, I remember in that moment being like, "Well, this is it. Like this is how I die." And it's just, it's tough, man. I I I'm, I will still go in oceans and stuff, but I'm always always careful w- with undercurrents and riptides because man, that stuff is just. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame anybody who says they're not going in the ocean because of those because they're 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 something else, man. The ocean's powerful, man. It's like your story that you're telling. And I, I used to go, you know, my grandmother lived by the, by the ocean, uh, uh, by the beach. And, and as a kid, obviously we'd go and I just had a bad experience one day, not even in super deep water. Just you, you ever get that feeling in the ocean. Okay. So the waves crash. And then as the water's rushing back, which is what causes these riptides when that water's rushing back underneath the surface of the water, you ever get that feeling where you're just standing in the water, maybe waist deep. And you just, it feels like the whole world is circling around you and you get dizzy because the two different motions happening at once, the water coming in and the water coming out. And it's the first time I experienced that. That's the last time I ever stepped foot in the ocean. It's just, it's, I'm very risk averse when it comes to stuff like that. And, and I'm not a huge fan of, of, uh, you know, the outdoors anyway, as we've already discussed, uh, so that was enough ocean for me. I, I don't fuck with natural bodies of water. You know, I, I went in a lake once and, you know, I felt the mud underneath my feet and it had a little, <laughs> it had a little suction effect. You ever experienced well, that? That's, no yeah. Lake? A lot of people have that uh, problem too, is if you go into a lake or something like that, you, you, you step into the mud and it kind of sucks your foot and then you, can't, you feel like you can't get out or whatever. It's, it's, it's also yeah. tough, man. It's, it's not good. And again, it was only maybe waist waist deep, and but it was enough for me. And I got out, and I've never been in a lake again. I just I, I, I have no use for it. You know, um, I, I I'm too risk averse for it. And it's like if I must swim, and I swim maybe once a decade, it's going to be in a pool. You know, um, <laughs> swim once a decade. God. I don't like swimming. I, <laughs> You're something else. You're ridiculous. We are literally the opposite person. I don't know why we do this. Like other than wrestling, we are like literally. The- opposite people in the world like i cannot wait that's why i want like you were like oh how's things going i'm like yeah whatever like i can't wait to just go to a fucking pool <laughs> you know what i mean like i love love gardening and pools and, and you you know you're the opposite but, nah i i could take a <laughs> like your once a decade pool so what brings you into a pool then? so if it's once a decade what like because i imagine you interact with pools more than that or do the kids not even go to pools or anything well you just end up at someone's house who has a pool and maybe you get in but like um Britney's parents have a pool, and I've never been in it. <laughs> Do you, are, you at least, never... are you at least a, a sit-by-the-pool guy, or you, you don't even fuck I'll with... I'll sit by it. No, okay. I'll, I'll, like, I'll sit by it. And, shirt on. And... I'm, I'm imagining the shirt is on. You're not showing the guns. You know, the I, gun I, don't show. Care about, I don't care about tans or anything. The shirt stays on. <laughs> um, I've never been like, oh, I got to get a tan. Like, I've never been a tan guy. Um, no, I'll sit by the pool and interact with people and eat a fucking burger or something. You know, I'm not a complete louse. But I, I'm just – I don't know. Like uh, every now and then I, I'll, I'll hop in a pool. It's not – I know how to swim. That's the weird thing too. Like like I said, I grew up around the ocean in a lot of ways and, and I, I always swim a lot. Of, I know how to swim. I'm a decent swimmer. I'm not scared. That's the thing. Like I'm not scared of the pool. I'm just not that fond of it. Now the yeah. ocean, I'm, the ocean I'm scared of. I, I am, I'm scared of the ocean. That was enough ocean for me when I got my little vertigo in the water that day. That was it. Uh, same thing with the lake. I'm not fucking with that. That's not how I'm going out. So that natural bodies of water, I'm terrified. You know, um, yeah, that kind of thing. River rafting, all that shit. No thanks. 
the pool, I'm not scared. I know how to swim. I just it, I don't know. It just doesn't do a ton for me. I, I don't know. I just, I'm just not that into it. I'm not trying to shit on Chad Gaspard here. No, 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 not at all. No. I'm just, I don't know how it turned into me, but I, I just, I'm not a big fan of the swimming, yeah, but yeah. the ocean I don't fuck with. Cause, and that's why, I mean, this is a young, strong man who I assume was a great swimmer. If he's hanging out in the ocean. Yeah. I, I think he, he was it's, living in California. So I'm sure it wasn't yeah. his, you know, first time in the, at the beach ever. So what a horrible way to go. And, and it's awful. You know, I'm glad they saved his kid. I'm glad they, they saved everyone, but him. Yeah. You know, he's the only one who they weren't able to 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 save, and it's just that undertow sucks you out, and and like you said, like you get caught under the water. They said in his case, a giant wave crashed and took him out, and then it's either, you know, neither option's good. He either got taken so far off the coast that they just weren't able to spot him in time, and then he just his body gave out, or he just got sucked under the water, and maybe you just swallow a mouthful or panic and then that's it it's it's panic that usually uh like when i was underwater for as long as i was or whatever it was because i was panicking and now like i after that moment i know now how to kind of get out of them if you do get caught in them and it's actually like you have to tell your body to do the opposite of what you want to do because you want to panic you want to you know throw your limbs all over the place do all that sort of stuff but you're supposed to do the opposite but it's like it's it's one of those dumb things that's like no one's gonna when you're in that moment you're not gonna think okay let me think rationally of how i should do i mean you don't you you especially when your child is is also there you know, he clearly was focused on making sure that his kid was okay and he was secondary. And that, you know, that's the part that's, you know, both, both, you know, good and, and that's the good and the bad of it is that, you know, he made sure that his son got saved and he made sure everybody that, you know, uh, could possibly get saved got saved. And, and unfortunately, yeah, he, he was the sacrifice, which is just awful when you, when you put it well, that way. So the good thing is they eventually recovered the body, which you got to have, it, it's, I know me, it'd be hard to ever have closure without the body, you know, for, for me personally. And I would think that a lot of people are the same way. It's uh, if they never find the body, it's it's harder to, to cope with it. But now at least there's some finality to it, because I think, you know, once a 12 hours pass, 24 hours pass, realistically, you know, the person's probably gone. But, you know, to to be able to just, you know, if nothing else, have a service with the body it provides right. a, a certain kind of closure for people as opposed to, man, I just, I'm uncomfortable with presumed dead. I I'm just uncomfortable with that. I'd rather there be a finality to it, especially when the odds are almost essentially a hundred percent that the person is in fact dead. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, once we all kind of figured that this guy was gone, y- you're kind of relieved that they recovered a body two days later, or I think it was three days later, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, you know, just from the standpoint of, okay, his wife and his kid and, you know, whoever else is in his family now have some closure here. So that's, that was a uh, pretty brutal week in, uh, in in pro wrestling deaths and and, and that sort of stuff. We are, we are going to talk about the dark side of the ring Owen Hart thing, but let's, uh, (laughs) let's, let's save that for a little bit later in the show because I think. We've had enough. Unless you want to, do you want to just? But I, I want to get to double or nothing. Are you fine with that? No, we we should do double or nothing now. Well, we'll yeah. get we'll get to Owen Hart in a bit. Maybe not start out the first hour and a half of, of people dying. Let's maybe because well, the thing, well the other thing too is the Owen Hart thing's not going anywhere. I mean, if we run out of time, we could always sure. do it next exactly. week. Exactly. Right, so right, right. you know. All right, so let's do it here. Double or nothing going on this weekend. AEW's return uh, to pay per view, uh, BR Live, uh, as well as traditional pay per view. If you're international, Fight TV. 
uh, has it, voiceswrestling.com slash fight. If you want to uh, support us, that's the link uh, that we would prefer you order on if you're an international uh, viewer and, and, and going to watch on fight. But uh, overall, uh, before we kind of go match by match and talk about the entire card, what, what are your uh, what are your feelings going into this Double or Nothing? Obviously, last year's Double or Nothing was was seemed like just a, a huge hype around it because it was AEW's you know, first foray uh, into pay-per-view, their first big show, and, and I think we both really came away loving that show. Uh, this year, obviously, with the circumstances the way they are, I think it's it's always going to be tough to match what you did last year. But, you know, what do you think overall of, of, of what they've done so far in the build and, 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 you know, what's your anticipation level of the show itself? I think there's a lot for us to learn here in terms... Okay, so their last pay-per-view... People generally universally agreed that they had this tremendous build. And what was to be learned was, okay, if AEW has a tremendous build for a pay-per-view, what will that mean for their pay-per-view numbers? That's what we were going to learn with the last pay-per-view. And what we learned was it didn't really mean that much. They did the same 100,000 pay-per-view buys that they always do. So the learning experience that we're going to go through this weekend is – because I think they're kind of limping into this thing. I have not been a big fan of the last two weeks of TV. I would agree. Yeah, I'd agree. And on top of that, we obviously have the thing. And we have the empty arena questions and all that. So I think when you combine all of that, what we're going to learn with this pay-per-view is, okay, are those 100,000 hardcore AEW pay-per-view buyers going to be there literally no matter what in a you know like a global pandemic is something we would use as an unrealistic um you know what if scenario but we're really in one we're really in that unrealistic uh what if scenario on top of the fact that the build wasn't very good so to me the deck is stacked for what you would think would be a pay-per-view that does very poorly so what this pay-per-view will tell us is if they do the same 100,000 or if they do, I would say, anything north of 80,000, then what that tells me is AEW is going to do a minimum of 100,000 pay-per-view buys no matter what. And that's just their hardest. They're the hardest of the hardcore. There's 100,000 of them. They're into this promotion, and they're going to buy these fucking shows uh, no matter what the scenario because they do not have a hot world title match. They did not have a hot build. Um we have record unemployment rates and empty arena wrestling and everything else. So um, that I think is the most interesting thing from a business aspect is we are now going to learn just how dedicated those hundred thousand people are that buy every single show. Right. We talked about a few weeks ago, if, if, if we expected there to be, those people that are not, you know, that aren't wrestling fans or, or kind of casual wrestling fans, if they're going to come in droves, if they're all going to say, hey, I got nothing going on on Saturday. I'm buying this pay-per-view. I'm watching this thing. And I think when we talked about it maybe so a month or so ago, I think we were – I don't know that we really thought that that was going to – like I kind of thought that there would be probably less people due to everything going on in the world and, 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 and you know – spendable income and that sort of stuff between people. So like, I kind of thought they might be down a little bit. Whereas you said that you thought they would kind of stay within the 90 to hundred, or you kind of assumed uh, that they would, I think there's absolutely no chance in, in hell, especially, you know, and we, we said it even at the time, like we, we thought it'd be really, you know, uh, a real success if they could get like, you know, 20,000 to 30,000 people that don't watch wrestling normally to, to consume this show or buy the show or whatever. I think that's next to an impossibility at this point. Like, like, do you feel that there's been any sort of 
casual fan hype to get like do we expect this thing to do anything more than like it, it's not going to out by revolution or all out or any of those shows right it, it, it'd be complete, I, I, i'd no, be stunned I, i'd be stunned if it did i'd be very surprised look we have two test cases wrestlemania during the thing didn't see it seemed to have less hype than usual if you look at google trends and just general buzz and things like that it seemed like people were just down on the idea of WrestleMania, and it just didn't. It was it was flat and a dud in in uh, in every respect. But then UFC two weeks ago, clearly UFC fans were hungry for some live sports and a pay per view, and and they did tremendous numbers. What was it? Seven hundred thousand buys for that pay per view, and over a million people watching the prelims. So, uh, obviously, you would think that Dynamite. This AEW pay-per-view, the closer comp would be WWE, right? Because for whatever reason, other things have done well on television during the thing, but empty arena wrestling is clearly turning people off. So you would think that WWE would be the better comp and that maybe interest would be down for this for this show. But, you know, I I, I made my official prediction behind the paywall and I just even with the poor build, my gut is still telling me that those 100,000 people are still going to be there. I feel like their fan base is incredibly loyal. And I don't think the idea that the pay-per-view is empty arena is what's going to drive them away. I think the only thing that's going to drive away those 100,000 are the ones that happen to be in rough financial shape. Mm -hmm. So that's why when I slapped my official prediction on it, my gut is still telling me they do the same business, so I'm saying somewhere between eighty and a hundred thousand in terms of buys, because I'm leaving myself a little bit of wiggle room for people who simply cannot afford it, who want to buy it, right? And right. Um, and and a little wiggle room for people who maybe get together at parties and buy it together. You're going to lose some of those too, but I think essentially they're going to do basically the same business, and I think anything over eighty is the same business. I think under eighty, now you're talking. All right, something caused them to take a drastic hit. But if this show does 85,000 buys, I mean, I think that's essentially – I mean, you're just losing some people because they don't have fucking jobs. But I think that those people are watching every week, and I really don't see re- – the UFC number really changed my perception in a lot of ways because that was really an eye-opener. That tells me – that kind of, to me, put to bed this argument that the entire country is broke and pinching their pennies and getting ready for a depression – that's not what that's not what you know that's not what people told us 2 weeks ago at UFC. They told us that they're going to spend $60 plus for and it wasn't even like a huge UFC. It was a big one, but it wasn't like a huge one. Um and it still did a tremendous number cuz people were hungry for some sports and yeah. UFC you entertainment know, so- uh, entertainment is always like and this goes back to the great depression, you know, when movies and the movie industry boomed or whatnot is that People have, you know, people that, that that are having issues or whatever. If there's something compelling, if there's some entertainment that something they can, you know, put on for three hours and 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 and, and escape or whatever, they will do it. They'll go out of the way to do it. But like you're saying, empty arena wrestling has been the opposite of that so far, where right. people have so we went so away we from empty people, arena wrestling in, in droves. Exactly. So we know people are willing to spend money, and we know that there's money to be spent yeah. because UFC has proven that, right? But the 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 the, the the detractor side of this is the empty arena thing. And will that push people away 
to where it mitigates the idea that people have this fistful of money they're willing to spend to be entertained, but they aren't willing to spend it on empty arena. That remains to be seen. This, Like I said, this is the perfect test case. My gut is telling me that the AEW fan base is, is rabid. And in spite of the, you know, so-so build, which unfortunately the worst two weeks of the build were the, the last two weeks, in my opinion, um, I, I still think they're going to be there with that money. And I, I, my gut is telling me the pay-per-view is going to do around the usual levels. What's your what's your feel? Yeah, I, I think you know when, when you know we talked about it a few weeks ago. I thought somewhere between sixty and eighty. Um, I, I think the the, the sixty thousand, the low end of that spectrum, would be as you said, people that are, are are saying, "Oh, you know, I don't know about you know, I don't know financially if I can afford it or whatnot." But seeing UFC, seeing NASCAR, seeing what some of the other properties that have come back, uh, the Last Dance, that sort of stuff. Like entertainment wise, if people feel that you're going to entertain them, they are going to go and they are going to support it, even if it's fifty dollars, even if it's thirty dollars or whatever. So. I'm probably more into the 70 to 80 at this point now. I think it's going to be in that range. I'd be stunned if it was 100,000. I think that's almost an impossibility given the build and given everything that's going on and all that sort of stuff in the empty arena. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I I, I feel like we're probably going to get somewhere in that. I'm 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 saying officially 70 to 80 would be my prediction. Uh, was anything- the UFC was the UFC number? An eye, ra- an eyebrow razor for you? Oh, absolutely. You- yeah, yeah. Let me know that. Like, it's not just empty arena stuff. Because that was empty arena or whatever. It's just that empty arena wrestling is really bad and nobody and people are kind of done with it and kind of sick of it or whatever. So, yeah, that opened my eyes to say, okay, look, there are people out there that are willing to spend money on things that they think are going to be entertaining. It's just maybe wrestling hasn't presented enough entertaining stuff to that. And and again, I don't know if that a, if, if AEW is going to fall into that trap where people are, are going to say, ah, you know what? 50 bucks for empty arena, man. I don't know if I can really do that. And, and you know, I don't begrudge them for doing the $50. We talked about it a few weeks ago or whatever. I don't begrudge them for you know not changing the pay-per-view price. you got to keep it at that same price. And, again, we mentioned it a month ago. There's reasons why you need to do that, and there's financial reasons why it makes sense. But I, I do wonder if there's enough people that kind of sit on that fence and go, ah, empty arena wrestling, and it's 50 bucks. I don't know. And, like, I would say if the build was, like, so good that it was like, no, I need to go see this. I need to make sure I watch this. All your fence sitters were going to say, ah, fuck it, $50, it's three hours of entertainment or four hours of entertainment, who cares, whatever, I'll do it. But I just don't know if the builds lived up to that billing. So I do think that you're going to get a little bit of people that hem and haw about it, and I think most people that are on that fence probably uh, decide to go away. So that's where I would go 70 to 80 uh, or so, and anything below that I think would be kind of eye-opening, and anything above that would just be shocking to me. You know, if I got to 90000 or whatever, I'd be like, holy shit, that's pretty good. That mean, That lets you know that you can literally do anything in the months leading up to this pay-per-view. And it seems like the same amount of people are going to buy it no matter what. So I think the AEW fan base um, is also more, I feel like they're more likely to rally around their brand than say at the WWE. I mean, because I mean, raw is touching like 1.6 million now, you know, NXT did a 0.13 on Wednesday. Um, Whatever it is about their brand of empty arena, it just people just do not like it. Um, you know, and 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 Dynamite has lost their share of viewers, but you know, still pulling. You know, they did a point two eight two weeks ago, which I mean, that's like you know pre COVID bad week numbers. I mean, it's not that awful. It's not like this bottoming out that you're seeing with WWE. I just, I feel like their fan base is more of the kind of fan base that will be willing to excuse circumstances. 
Right. Or, and, you know what? This company, I, I'm going to support them with my money. Yeah, it's 50 bucks. And yeah, 50 bucks means a lot more than it does now. But I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show my support and, and do that sort of stuff. Yeah, they, they've built and cultivated that sort of relationship with a lot of their fans right now. Which So it's a, that's why it's become and some people, and, and It's also dumb, too, not to interrupt you. But some people think that that's a negative, which is like, that's what you should fucking have if you're a company. Like... You know what I mean? People are oh, like, yeah. oh, these AEW fans, they react to anything. It's like, yes, that's what you want. That's good. That means they're doing their job. It's like, people see that as yeah, a negative. I mean, oh, these idiots will buy anything just to support AEW. Yes, good. <laughs> business, that's how business should work. Well, it's 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 built up fan trust. I mean, and then it, it, when you burn that trust, then you no longer have that. But it's I feel like they have a fan base, whereas if this were a Ring of Honor or impact pay-per-view it's like to me it would be completely dependent on the build and the worldwide events and i wouldn't even factor in any but there's sort of this intangible thing with AEW that has to be factored in because i i do feel like their fan base is rabid on a on a different kind of maybe not rabid just loyal loyal is the word i'm looking for there's a certain loyalty that a lot of their fan base has to this company because of what they represent and all those sorts of things. And, and I think that that will make a difference no matter where the number lands. I think there's going to be a portion of the paying audience that is paying, not necessarily because they were fired up by dynamite a couple days ago, but because they're showing loyalty to this, you know, new brand that they want to see succeed. I think there's still some of that when it comes to AEW. So um, despite the fact that I didn't love the build, I'm still kind of bullish on this pay-per-view because of that UFC number and um, because of my perception of the AEW fan base. All right, so let's uh, get into the uh, card itself uh, on the buy-in, the uh, the pre-show, Best Friends versus Private Party. Uh, this uh, The winners will become the number one contenders for the AEW uh, world tag team titles. Do you think it's uh, it's time for Private Party to get back up there, or do you like uh, do you like the idea of the best friends uh, maybe getting a crack at the, uh, the the championships? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a good feel for it. Um, I don't know if I would rush Private Party right back into things with getting them back in the mix, and um, you know, so and best friends have been featured more. Uh, obviously, Private Party being from the New York area, they just couldn't come. Yeah, I mean, right, right, right. The, the New York people just could not be there for a lot of the tapings, um, you know, but, um, so best friends have been featured more on TV and, you know, you, you, they've kind of planted some seeds and, you know, with, you know, the Kenny Omega and Nakazawa match against best friends a couple weeks ago on TV with Omega and the best friends having some beef. So, you know, and, and look, that could be me reading too much into that dopey little TV match. Because it could have just been, look, here's who we have available for TV. We're going to do this little match and never think about it again. But they haven't booked that way. They've kind of, you know, I, I, I rant and rave about how great their booking is and the attention to detail in the booking. So I can't really ignore that. So I right. Think most things that, happen for a reason. Most things, yeah, most things that you see and go, hmm, that was interesting, are usually followed up upon. Or, or, or yeah, you, you weren't the only one that thought that that seemed a little too convenient or it's a little too coincidental. So, yeah, they, they've booked that way for sure. Yeah, and it easily could have been just a dopey little excuse to build to a TV match. I, you know, that that could easily be the case too. But if you know, if I'm looking for a reason to pick a winner in this 
pre-show match, then I may as well base it on something. And that's what I'm going to base it on. So I think best friends win. Yeah, I'm with you for the, for a lot of the same reasons. I also think too with with private party and and just the the, the weird circumstances of if you know w- whether they can show up to all these shows or whatnot. And it looks like things are kind of tightening or, or, or uh, loosening up a little bit, so they should be available moving forward. But you know that you got the best friends uh, there whenever you need them. So I think you know moving forward, I, I would I have the best friends do it just for now. I think it's not that doesn't mean private party's done or you know they're they're never going to be back to that point. But right now you 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 have a little bit of more security with the best friends, I think. And like you said, they've been building up a little bit more. Uh, as well, so I would definitely go the direction of the best friends if I were uh, if I was picking. But uh, move on here, Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. I uh, I don't know if I'm very excited about this match. Sorry, I got a had a text message. Um, very unprofessional. I apologize. But I mean, it's Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears. So I just thought you <laughs> you were basically giving me silence because you don't care or you don't no, respond, no so. I wasn't doing a gimmick. Um, Brittany's 98 year old great uncle tested negative for COVID, so. That's the text. Oh, there you go. Nice. Good for Bill. Um, They tested him three times, too. That's good. Well, that means that means it's pretty good because I wouldn't trust one test, but yeah, three tests. That's pretty good. Well, they tested him last week and he came up negative, but then he still didn't feel well and he went back to the hospital. So they tested him a second time yesterday and then they tested him a third time today. And now with the third negative, they say they're not going to test him anymore. Good. That's awesome. um, the only issue there is is her mother is in constant contact with this man, you know, because she takes care of him. He's 98. Um, so her mother has been staying at a hotel for the last week. So th- there's a little there's all the drama going on in my life. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, oh. <laughs> weirdly, as, as we bring this up uh, now is uh, a few weeks ago um, or last week, I think it was at this point, Michelle was uh, taking care of somebody at the hospital and. Her unit was a COVID unit, and they've switched it now. It's just a, a back to a normal unit again. Um, so now she's there taking care of people without the full protection and all that sort of stuff that she she had when they were a COVID unit. Uh, so she's taking care of this guy that's on a ventilator, and and you know he can't. He just had a heart attack, so he can't really breathe or whatever. So she's taking care of him. He's you know he's on a ventilator, so there's just air pumping through the the room and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she's about to leave, and they go, "Hey, did you know your uh, patient? Uh, you know he uh, he tested positive." And she goes, "Oh, good, great. I was just in his room for you know eight hours today. That's perfect. That's great." So. Then she didn't feel good over the week, and you know it's like it could have just been allergies or whatever. Luckily, she did get tested, and it was uh, it was fine. But you know, she told the person at work that, "Hey, you know, I took care of that patient that tested positive," uh, and they suggested, "Okay, when you go home, you know, can you sleep in your garage? Is there a way that like you can come in through the back door and never see your husband and never see your dogs or whatever?" Yeah. So she calls me and says, "Hey, do you not want, like they told me that I can't see that I got to live in the garage or I'll live in like the back room?" And I'm like, "That no, like whatever, you know, I'd rather." You don't get it and see, you know, I was just like, you know, she was really like, well, I don't want you to get sick. And I'm like, I know, but I don't want you to get 14 days. We can't have you live in the garage. <laughs> like, yeah, you're get out of here. Like, I'm not going to go to. She's like, well, I can go to a hotel. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, no, come on. Like, I, I you know, I, I mean, don't care. Geez, you're, what are you, 35 years old? Yeah, or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, Jesus Christ, I'm yeah. 33. Jesus. Oh, 35. Get, get out of here. You're getting you're getting antsy over two years because <laughs> I you used to make fun you... of you for 37. And now, you know, um... yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and you 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 that's how you know you're getting old when you get annoyed over like two years <laughs> two year difference. I'm like, hey, thirty three, Joe. All right, not thirty five. Like you may as well be thirty five. Like you're probably going to turn thirty four in a couple months or something. No, but, I just turned thirty three. Get out of here. So it's like the idea of being thirty five though was so offensive. To Horrifying. Jeez, you oh, my heart hurt just hearing so, that. Yeah, well, now you're walking in my shoes, buddy. But uh, yeah, no. But the point here is like, I see what you're saying. Like you're a man in your thirties. 
even if you get it from her, you may even be asymptomatic. I right, mean, the right, chances right. are, you know, it's like the, the 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 odds that it would greatly affect you are like, you know, so minuscule. So it's like, no, do not live in the fucking garage. Come in the house. Let's just live our lives. So um, I, I I totally get that standpoint. But the nurse is okay, which is a great. Bill's Rich okay. Is, Rich is okay. Uncle Bill is okay. Brittany's mother gets to go home now. So, uh, you know, uh, everybody's okay from that perspective. What the hell were we talking about? Uh, is Bill going to watch uh, Double or Nothing? Is he a Graps fan? Uncle Bill? the No, I'll, he just – no, but he's hating his life because he's a huge baseball guy. Oh, yeah. It's rough. Who's and his, think who's about his team? It. What's when, his team? When you're 98, you don't have many seasons left. So to lose a baseball <laughs> Right, team, exactly, yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to do a bit, but you got to be thinking about that. I mean, you know, I count backwards and I'm like, how many baseball seasons I got left? Let me see. You know, he's 98, you know, um, I don't he's never espoused an affinity for a particular he just likes, team. He likes the game. He just likes he just. Yeah, he you go the in there, he's, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got ESPN on. He's watching baseball. He's just the guy loves baseball. Um, what were we talking about here? Uh, unfortunately, we're talking about the uh, Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears. So, oh, yeah. So. They uh, hastily set that up on TV this week. Um, Sean Spears basically said, I want to wrestle the guy. Did you see this segment? Like, he says, did you see it or no? I did, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, I want to wrestle Dustin Rhodes. And then, like, Jim Ross books the match 30 seconds later. <laughs> right. I don't know what's going on with it. What the fuck is that? Like, so then they go back to the commentator table. We also don't need this match. I mean, this, this, this show has a lot of matches on it. We really don't need Dustin Rhodes and Sean Spears. Yeah, and then Jim Ross is just like, well, we may as well book it. And then there's a graphic all ready for it. <laughs> I mean, I can suspend my disbelief, but it's like it got booked in that 10-second period, and they had the graphic put together all because Jim Ross says, well, we may as well do it, then if he wants it. you know. And it's like, all right, so we've got Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes, the match that nobody wants. I wonder so, if he's going to hit him with the, the bricks. Uh, Sean Spears is in the crowd with those bricks. I wonder if maybe he'll bring him to the ring and – uh yeah maybe I Hopefully think uh, no, no, don't don't say anymore. <laughs> I, <laughs> what else are you gonna say? Just let's move on. <laughs> I mean okay, but there was something interesting. Like Sean, okay, I can make this interesting. So Sean Spears was going on and on about how he's been racking up wins and he feels like he should be close to the top five, you know, because he's been beating jobbers every week on Dark and on Dynamite. So, um, okay, so do you think? I'm trying here. Granted, I'm I'm trying hard. Do you think this is a way to get Sean Spears a legitimate win to sneak him back into the top five? You throw him in at number five next week or whatever, and then to set him up to be Cody's first challenger if Cody beats Archer. So yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, no, no. And that that's what I think is that like they, they've kind of stumbled upon him, you know, having a little bit of a win streak here, beating, you know, a, a few dudes on, on Dark and on Dynamite or whatever. And then, yeah, he beats Dustin, and then he's kind of back in there. He's got, you know, a, a win streak going. And, and and for sure, he, you know, Cody beat him in the first round of the tournament, fi- uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. the, the TV tournament or the TNT tournament. So, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that, that yeah, Spears would go on a little bit of a run, and, yeah, he's the first challenger for sure. No, I think that's that's 100% why this match is happening. I think they just kind of said, hey, you know what, let's start building for the future. Okay, Spears on a win streak, all that sort of stuff. I don't know if they lucked into it or they had this idea, you know, for a while too, but, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that Spears uh, would defeat Dustin and then had the first chance at Cody and, and of course, lose again, hopefully. But, but. I, I think this match is kind of a tip-off. I think if Spears wins – I think that increases the odds that Cody's going to win later in the show. You're right. Yeah, right. I wonder if, yeah, that, this, this, that'll be interesting because 
Hmm. Because I, I still kind of think Co- I still kind of think Archer's going to win, but you're right. If if Spears wins, it's a pretty natural progression then to Cody being you know the TNT champions. So. Yeah. If Spears wins, I'm not saying that it locks it in stone. But I think if Spears wins, it's a nice tip. Yeah, it's a nice kind of put a pin in it and, and and think about it for later. Yeah, it makes me sort of think that it, Cody's odds are now increased to win. So, see, you can make any match interesting, right? See, you get a look. There at you the go. Angles. See, I would have cut you off, and then you gave this incredible point that's now got us all excited and frothing at the mouth for Dustin Rhodes and and Ten Guy Sean Spears. Anyway, uh, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander. I don't think we really need to preview this too much. I don't think Britt's going to be wrestling, but. Well, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of conflicting reports. Uh, now I think in the Observer, which I just skimmed and did not fully read, it said something about the status is up in the air. So I don't know. But, um, it, you know, obviously there's a good chance it won't happen. Uh, you know, they, they they built two women's matches for this show, and, you know, they might lose one to injury. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. What I wouldn't do... What I would not do is if Baker can't go, I'm throwing out the match. What you don't do is throw in Big Swole or whoever the fuck. Right, right, right. Because now you just have a heatless match that didn't have any build. What's the point? This match had some build and there was a point to it, even though it's an undercard match and all that. And it wasn't going to make or break the show in terms of buys or anything like that. The match at least had some build. I don't see the point of replacing Britt Baker with generic babyface, you know, X to just have some random match, which, which is really just amounts to a TV match. So to me, you just throw the match out and give everything else an extra two or three minutes. I'm right with you. Yeah. If, if this can't happen, just cut it. Just, yeah, I, I, we don't need this, especially in, in, you know, if it was a live audience, if it's a live crowd or something like that, I, I absolutely get it. But given, you know, given the circumstances, given that there are already, you know, what, eight or nine matches on this show that, yeah, I would just say, okay, sorry, the, you know, circumstances happen, let's just cut it and, and we'll just add a few minutes. I mean, it might suck for Chris Statland or whatever, but again, it's, yeah. it's, the circumstances are so much more different. Yeah. Again, if this was a live crowd, live arena pay-per-view i'd say yeah why not throw you know something in there but yeah it's it, it it's just there's no point in having it happen on the show then if it's just gonna throw even with match. a live even with a live crowd i'd throw it out i mean it, why have a match that has no build you could do the old hey listen how about you, you know you could always do the gimmick where Britt baker comes out on the on the crutches and brings out like a jabron to replace her right and stands in the corner while Statlander squashes her. Didn't Shane Douglas do that with Razor Ramon with Buddy Landell? He did, yes. I actually watched that on a, a recent In Your House. Yeah, he uh, the debuting Buddy Landell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dean Douglas, in his, one of his many, many times when his arm was in a sling, yeah, he, he had Buddy Landell be his proxy for him. So I think it was against Ahmed Johnson, actually. So. so there you go. I gave you a chance to plug your little... Go ahead. In Your House, In Your House. VoiceTheWrestling.com slash Patreon, by the way, for that one. $5 tier. I, I'm, a, I'm a professional, Rich. I find a way. I find a way to get these things plugged. But, yeah, you could do that gimmick, and then, you know, like Ahmed Johnson just destroyed Buddy Landell. He beat oh, him it was like, like 20 seconds. seconds. Yeah, it was like 20 seconds over and done. So, you know, you could do that here. You could do something like that. But I, what I wouldn't do is just book another competitive match with someone else with no build whatsoever. And, look, there's people that are going to throw a fit and say, oh, well, they only have one woman. It's not their fault that this person got hurt. So you can't – you got to cut them a break there if they if they cut the match. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean – Someone got hurt three days before the match. You know, it's just it's bad luck. All right, so we'll move on here to uh, the next match on the show. Uh, MJF versus Jungle Boy. And I'm I'm into this build. I'm into this match. I'm pretty excited about it. But uh, what do you think of uh, of MJF and Jungle Boy? I mean, 
I heard Dave Meltzer make a case for Jungle Boy winning the match, and no. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. No way. No way at all. <laughs> I think MJF should win. I think MJF should continue to win. I don't think MJF should lose to anyone until you know he's in a position to lose to a major star in a in a big time main event match. So I think you just now. Do I think MJF could cheat to win this match? Absolutely. Uh, do I think? Because the whole story is MJF isn't really taking Jungle Boy seriously, right? He didn't take Marco's stunt seriously on TV. Now, if you're paying attention to the TV the way you should be, they're foreshadowing here. He didn't take Marco's stunt seriously. And he was slapping him around and making him pick his own boogers and putting him in bear hugs. Mm-hmm. And, and then the second Marco's stunt got a hint of offense, MJF turned it up and finished him off and ripped his arm off of his body and gave, you know, gave him the shoulder breaker and then ripped his arm off of his body and then knocked him out after the match for good measure and then cut the promo on Jungle Boy. That's how he sees Jungle Boy. So this match is going to be very similar to the Marco Stunt match where MJF is not taking him particularly seriously. And then there's going to be a spot in the match where Jungle Boy makes his big comeback, but it's going to be a better comeback than Marco made because Jungle Boy is higher in the pecking order than Marco is in his own unit and in you know, uh, in terms of who they feel can be a future star in every regard. Melter's argument is then Jungle Boy should win the match because it's not going to hurt MJF. I don't think Jungle Boy winning the match would hurt MJF either. But I don't see a reason to even fuck around. Like, there's no reason Jungle Boy needs to win yet. I don't think he's ever had a singles win in the company. Right, and I, I disagree that that hurts, that it doesn't hurt MJF. I think it absolutely does. I think MJF's role for people that don't, you know, quite you know, have a handle on what it is, is is he is a guy who in the pecking order is better than all these little guys. He's better than all the undercard guys. He's better than a lot of the mid card guys, but he's not as good as Cody. You know, he's not as good as the top, top guys. So he's a cocky asshole against the little guys that he knows he can beat and he can beat the fuck out of. But then when he's confronted by the big dudes, he gets his ass kicked sometimes. And that's what it is. Like that. I like that story. I like that his placing in there is, is quote unquote upper mid card or whatever, that he's not a top, top tier guy that you can't buy that this guy's going to win the world championship or whatever. But that's what makes him so cocky is he thinks he's, he's hot shit. So he beats up these, these little guys. He beats up the undercard guys. He fucks around with these undercard guys or whatever. And then you know, he moves up the ladder, moves up the ladder, moves up the ladder, moves up the ladder. And then when he's confronted with, you know, a Cody, if he's confronted with a Kenny Omega or those sort of guys, he loses to those guys. And that's fine. That's a great role and a great spot for MJF at this point. Or, or he wins in a sleazy way because he can't beat them straight Right, because he knows, like, straight up you can't beat them. And, that, and that's the right, story. Right, right. Is, is you're, supposed to, you're supposed to think this guy is an asshole by saying he's better than everybody. But then he proves that he's better than the little guys. But then when he faces the big guys, he, he's not better than them. Rich, you're describing a bully. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why people have so that's much That's a lot of words. So much trouble with this. I don't know. It's wrestling. I don't feel so much trouble Econ- with this. Economy of words, Rich. He's, he's a bully. Yeah, so he, he 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 can he can push around Marco's stunt and beat him at will. But yeah, you know when it comes to Cody, he's got to cheat to beat him. He's got to use the ring. He has to use Wardlow. You know, it's that's the whole idea here. And yeah, I mean, I, I I just don't think you know why have Jungle Boy beat him now? I think he should beat Jungle Boy. He should continue to beat Jungle Boy, and then down the line, whether it's six months or a year or three years or five years. When Jungle Boy finally, when you're finally ready to pull the trigger on Jungle Boy and give him a real push, that's when he beats MJF. And it's a big scalp at that point. And it's a big career accomplishment because MJF has been bullying him for so long. He finally got it done. It's not really all that unlike the Darby Cody story. It's similar, just told a different way. 
where I was vehemently against Darby beating Cody in that tournament match for the same reasons. Darby should absolutely beat Cody two years from now Mm -hmm. in a huge match that gets Darby over the top as a true top guy. Until then, Cody still needs to find ways to beat him because Cody is, is, is just better than him right now. And MJF is just better than Jungle Boy right now. Now, if Jungle Boy gives him a scare and MJF has to use the ring or a handful of tights, I don't have a problem with that either because that fits MJF's character. And that's, you know, continuing to build heat on the character. Ah, Jungle Boy was this close to finally getting a big win, and this motherfucker punched him in the head with the ring. Right, that's and that's what we, we do. We talk about this all the time with with AEW and other booking and other stuff. Is that a lot of people have this brain rot where, like, you know, from WWE, and I don't blame them. I mean, they're twenty years now. WWE's done this, you know, style of wrestling that they're booking right now. But like this, this stuff is what's what's great. It's wrestling one hundred and one. Is close? Nah, not close enough. Build, build, build. Work your way up the ladder. Work your way up the card. Work your. Way. That's how wrestling has been built forever. And yeah, don't get the. Why get the Jungle Boy win now? What do you do then? What's the next step for Jungle Boy? You know. Yeah, because at that point, MJF is going to have to beat him to get revenge because he's the one you're pushing now. So why do all of that? Just have MJF beat him now. Right, and then it's it's it, the idea is Jungle Boy hung with this guy, and maybe next time he'll come get him, and then maybe next time he does go get him. But build, build future. Build, 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 because this is the second time now, because they had the one match previously. Right, in MJF. right. And, you know, and, and again, Jungle Boy doesn't have any win. There's, Jungle Boy is the one who truly loses nothing by losing. Right. He, he he's got nowhere to go. Not. Yeah, he's got nowhere to go. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, he may as well beat him. And then, I mean, to me, here's what I would do. I hate fantasy booking, but I, he would beat Jungle Boy. You want to have him hold the tights or put his feet on the ropes? Even better, in my opinion. But he beats Jungle Boy. And then Luchasaurus steps up to him and says, you're picking on my buddies. Why don't you pick on me? Yeah, perfect. And then, No, but then, but then MJF says, no problem. But you're not wrestling me. You're wrestling Wardlow. Because MJF is scared of Luchasaurus because he knows he can't beat him. It's what you just talked about before. Because when he gets in there with the big boys, and, he, and deep down he knows he's not as good as these guys. But he's got his muscle. And what does that do? It adds more heat to MJF because he's ducking Luchasaurus. Oh, he'll beat up Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. But when it comes to Luchasaurus, he puts his muscle yeah, in Yeah, he's the got his, his, his heater to go do that. Yeah. And they've been planting Wardlaw Luchasaurus this whole time as well. They had that face-off on TV, which they didn't hammer you over the head with, but was very obvious if you were paying attention. So I, that's what I would do. He beats Jungle Boy, handful of tights. Luchasaurus is pissed off. He talks shit to Luchasaurus, but then the swerve there is that he's making Wardlaw face him instead because he wants no part of Luchasaurus. That's how I book it. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right with you on there. So, yeah, MJF wins this one for sure, uh, I think. I'll move on here to the uh, Stadium Stampede match. Uh, the Elite, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks, as well as Matt Hardy uh, versus the Inner Circle. Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, Ortiz. Uh, it's going to be taking place on the Jaguar Stadium out of TIAA Bank Field. I forget what it, I think that's the name of it. Um, I, don't, I don't know. What, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, I kind of summed up my feelings behind the paywall. I feel like this is probably going to be a very entertaining match for what they're going for that I am not going to like nearly as much. In other words, 
wherever this lands with the consensus, I'm going to be below that. Yeah, Gen Pop is going to think this ruled and was awesome, and you and I are going to be the assholes on our you know on our post show being like, eh, I don't know, I just want wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think it's going to be cinematic bullshit, but I think it's going to be a lot of like guys throwing each other into garbage bins and guys you know throwing each other onto the you know the, the padding of the field or whatnot. And it's like four minutes in, I'm just going to want it to be over and go see a, a wrestling match is what I suspect. So Nick Jackson hopping off the goalpost, <laughs> right? Exactly. Nice. Right, like. And then, it, it, look, it, it's like it's going to be like that street fight a couple weeks ago. I thought that was a fun little match, but I, you know, that's the extent of it for me. There's a certain limit on that kind of match for me. You know, eventually, I'm sitting there thinking, I just want to watch a wrestling match now. You know, and it's just it's just not my thing. But I, it'll probably be a lot of fun. I have confidence in the people involved. Like you're saying, I don't think it's going to be cinematic bullshit. I don't think they want to go down that road. Um. I get why they're doing it. It's something different. They have the, you know, the facility and they're able to do it. I mean, the cons own all of it. So, you know, they even, they even, you know, painted the end zone to save the elite. I mean, they can do whatever the fuck they want in that building. Um, you know, it's, it's, if it's a great, if people think it's great, I'm going to think it's pretty good. If people think it's okay, I'm going to think it was bad. If people think it was bad, I'm going to think it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I just know that I'm going to come in below everybody else. Uh, any expectations as to who wins this one? Because I'm, I'm kind of – this is one where I don't know if I have a good read on it because there's so many people involved in the match and there's so many different moving parts that – and, again, because it's because of the stipulations it has, it's hard to really say, oh, it's definitely going to be that guy because it's hard – like, you can come with a million different stories out of this. But I, I guess I probably lean towards the elite. You know, obviously pinning Sammy Guevara probably seems like the, the most likely scenario. But I don't know. I could see a, a few different scenarios that this one plays out. Yeah, I mean um... – Sammy's always there to eat the fall, and I have no problem with that. I think he's so tremendous in that role that it does not matter. Um, I I don't know. I think I'm more honestly. I'm more interested in the interplay between the Bucks and Omega and Hangman because they kind of left that hanging when the thing happened. So I'm kind of more interested in that and whether they leave that be which tells us that Omega and Paige are moving on to, you know, maybe best friends if they win earlier in the night, or if they keep planting seeds in those directions. And maybe this is a longer-term thing where they trade the titles a couple times. So I'm going to be paying attention to that more so than, you know, Jake Hager and Matt Hardy choking each other on the 30-yard line. Right, right. God, I, the one thing I just want out of this match, and I don't know if we're going to get it, I just want to keep the Matt Hardy bullshit to a minimum. I That has been the one thing I have really disliked about You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you like, brought that up because we just talked about how we think they'll stay away from cinematic stuff, but I'm not confident that they stay away from that. I could easily see them doing Matt Hardy fucking sorcerer tricks. Yeah, he, he raises his hands in the air and ten drones come out of the the end zone. And, oh, my God, he's assembled a drone army. Uh, like, oh, he's, you know, he, he goes into the end zone. And he comes out and now he's Damascus and he's broken, man. And it's just like, oh, God. That's going to lose me. The moment they lean into that, I'm gone. Um, you lost me. They're going to lose me the second they do anything in that direction. And the match is going to lose me and I'm not going to care anymore. Um, the unfortunate thing about Matt Hardy is, you know, it's like, we've said it a million times. I understand why they signed him, and I absolutely would have signed him because I think he's someone who can make a, a difference for them. Sure. But the fact that he's there, it's like, if you're like Rich and I, and you're not a big fan of his shtick, 
He's just, you're going to have to live with it now and then. They're going to get silly with him now and then. They're not going to do it every time, but they're going to do it from time to time, and you're just going to have to live with it. It's going to be one of those things that's part of this promotion that just that you just don't like. I mean, I've accepted that, and this might be one of those instances. It's tailor-made for it, honestly. I think you nailed it, and I hadn't even thought about that, but that could easily be elements of this match that veer in that direction. And once they do, similar to the money in the bank thing, where it just, it, I just turn my, I'm, I'm out, I'm out. It's like, it's like shark tank. I'm out. You know, it just the person, you ever watch shark tank? Like the person oh, pitching yeah. something. Obsessed with the shark tank. Yeah. I love shark tank. See, you see negotiations. See, I don't know why you don't love the negotiations, but um, I sit there at shark tank and like, I'm like, playing along i'm like no you need to offer that like yeah we, we do the same kid. thing where this guy's like i'm looking for 10 percent. michelle and i'm like oh you're an idiot fuck this guy like tell him no he's out of here like but yeah so there's always that yeah. point in shark tank where the person pitching makes a crucial error and mark cuban is just like up oh, i'm out it's always mark yeah mark's like ah, yeah i'm out <laughs> they're like what and they, they do the zoom in on the guy's face whoa <laughs> that's that's it's like that's the last thing i wanted to hear yeah, and you ruined i'm it. out i just you ruined it it's it, i'm out and it's like, as soon as Matt Hardy starts doing his bullshit, I'm Mark Cuban on, on Shark Tank. I'm out. I, I lean back in my chair and I fuck around on my phone until it's over. And I no longer care about anything that's happening. You know, so um, that's how I'm going to play that one. I love how whenever one of the sharks says, I'm out, the person's always like, oh, I thank you so much for your time. I thank you, sir. I thank you. What the fuck are you thanking them for? You don't need to worry about them anymore. You know? Focus on the other guy now, Bogdanovich or whatever his name is. Like, forget it. <laughs> it's not Bogdanovich. Whatever his name. It's What's not Bogdan name? Bogdanovich. No. Uh, yeah. What the hell is his last name? I forget. See, you're making fun of me, but it's something <laughs> it's like Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich or something. <laughs> you know, I heard that guy. Uh, I was at a work conference. And yeah, Robert. The... I forget. I forget what the last name is. Robert something yeah. or another. But yeah. I was at a work conference and he was the paid speaker, so I had to sit through. Herjavec, isn't it Herjavec? Herjavec, that's the guy, Herjavec. So, <laughs> Utah Jazz, so, small forward. So, yeah, Herjavec was the guest speaker, so I had to sit through a 90-minute Herjavec seminar. Could you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> of, him, of him telling all of us why he's so fucking wealthy and how he got there. And I'm just like, this is fucking torture. This is awful. Um, but uh, And so you as like... <laughs> district managers are supposed to be like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, cool. what does this have to do with me? Like, right. I'm not going to be able to sell this company, so why are you telling me all this? Like, right. His I have a be- ceiling. Like, I have a ceiling in this company. Like, there's only so much I can do. So, Yeah. Like, his seminar should be for the owner, not me. Right. Like, wow. right. like what am I doing? I'm, I'm <laughs> right. trying to make... I'm trying to keep food costs down. I don't, you yeah, know, I can't, I'm not I can't to... rise up in this company any more than I am. So it's like, what do you want me to do here? Yeah, like... I, really? I mean, I've got like one more level I could attain and that's it for me. That's it. You're, I'm packing it in. I'm, you know, this is doing me no good. I, you know, his keys to success do not translate to me, but, uh, or maybe I just missed the whole theme of it. Or maybe it was just bullshit that he gets paid $250,000 to do. I, you know, either way is very boring. But our entertainment that night, Rich, was Carrot Top, and that fucking ruled. I don't want to hear any Carrot Top slander. Was he that yoked up? Had... Was he yoked up at that point? This was yoked up Carrot yeah, Top. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. And he had his bin full of gimmicks. Have you ever seen Carrot Top? Oh yeah, he's yeah, got... yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got like the bin full of gimmicks, and he just he just like uh, 
he basically he's just he's just riffing on the game. Like it's just I don't think he has a practiced act. I think he's I think he has a framework of an act, but then when he pulls the gimmicks out of the bin, he's kind of improvising as he goes along too. You know, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed Carrot Top. He was a lot better than Bogdanovich, but uh, so what were we talking about here? The uh, stamp stadium stampede <laughs> match. Yeah, so. Hergovic. Hergovic, I believe, is how you pronounce it. I still it. can't say his name. Someone's going to correct us because we probably said it wrong. It's probably got more yeah. emphasis on one of the letters, but who cares? He was, like, wearing a stuffed-in ascot, too, to make it even worse. It's like he just came off of his yacht. Oh, I'm sure he did. Know? He has private jet. He was on his yacht, and then he, you know, took a took a jet ski to his uh, private jet and got out of the private jet and then told all you assholes about how, you know, how you could be successful in life and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. This unobtainable wealth that he has that there's no like 1% of human beings ever even get near reaching, you know, the status that he's reached. And yeah, he's going to tell all you assholes (laughs) while you're sitting there like, yeah, 0.1% while you assholes are, you know, getting a call from somebody at your work. Yeah. The water's not working. (laughs) Okay. I'll be there. Yeah. That's what I do. Right. I, I could give him a seminar on how to deal with hey, that. The kind cops of- are here for something. <laughs> like- Jody, uh, the fire, the fire inspector's here. Cool. Oh man, is there a problem? No. Then why the fuck are you calling me? Just go deal with the fire inspector and let him do his thing. There's no reason to call- like I can teach Bogdanovich how to deal with that. You know what can he teach me? You know, but he'll never have to deal with that because he's off on his yacht. And then everybody's lining up after the thing to like kiss the ring and shake his hand and. It, this was in Vegas. I'm looking for a fucking blackjack table the second the guy's done talking. Like, I couldn't have gotten out of there fast enough. But, uh, yeah, that was my experience with Bogdanovich. Well, that's good. I'm glad it was in Las Vegas because that goes perfectly to the uh, the next match here. Casino ladder match, Joe. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but but good work there. Uh, Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and the dreaded X to be announced. So let's start out first with the TBA mystery entrant. This is got to be a debuting wrestler right i mean you would think or it's going to be a massive letdown like you can't just have like <laughs> you know i'm just trying to think like alan angles like comes out he's like hey like. <laughs> alan angles <laughs> alan angles yeah you can't have like marco stunt come out right it's just not, it's not gonna work um you know who else isn't booked though like i don't even think like i can't think of anyone i'm sure there's people that aren't booked on this show but um, yeah, it's got to be someone from the outside. How about a Rusev? Would you pop for a... Uh... I'd pop for a Rusev. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. People have, you know, kind of floating names around there. Drew Gulak, uh, Rusev has been has been mentioned uh, as one. Well, what's he calling himself now? Milos or Milos? Yeah, for whatever, whatever his real name is, I think he's he's using that. So that, that, I guess, would be one. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't have a good read on it. And I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know who's... who's... I just... The problem is these debuts... I just hate them because it's like I, I know how much cooler they would be, but I get that you can't do them. It's like ah, you know, like some of these guys, like a Rusev, I'd be like, ah, you know what? Why don't we wait on that? Well, let's wait for crowds. Or like, I guess Gulak, I wouldn't care that much, but I don't know. It's just any of these, any of these debuts, I'm just always thinking, oh, they'd be so much better if they, <laughs> they weren't being done, you know, in front of no arena. So I'm always like a little, I don't know. I'm always a little down on, on any debuting wrestler right now because it's just it's hard to really pull it off. What if it's Japanese wrestling deathmatch legend, the Death Dealer Luther? <laughs> Jeez, God, that's right? what I mean. Like they're not going to do that, right? They couldn't. They know better than that, right? Yeah, it's got to be someone new. Well, here's the thing. This is for a title match, 
So realistically, the only person that can win is Scorpio Sky. Or do you disagree? I guess the, the, the debuting guy, I think, could maybe do it too. But they don't. Well, they don't really book that at. way, though. They don't really book that way, though. So. Well, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, so the debuting guy has to be someone that you could immediately put in a title program, because or Scorpio Sky has to win the match because Kip Sabian's not getting a title match. Uh, Kazarian is not getting a title match. Luchasaurus, Cassidy, Cabana, Darby Allen. You want to make an argument? I I don't think he should be getting a title match right now. Um, but Scorpio Sky is someone who are they they're building up with those personality profiles, mm-hmm. and it's very clear he's going to get a singles push. So that really leaves it to the the mystery man, um, and that has to be someone worthy of a title match. If Rusev comes out, that's a man worthy of a title match. Um, if Drew Gulak comes out, I don't know if he's worthy of a title match. Maybe a t- maybe on Dynamite. Um. Because if the mystery guy comes out and it's a big guy, doesn't he have to win? I mean, you can't have the mystery guy come out and lose. I guess you can if they set up a program in some way. Here's the other thing about this match. It's it's timed entry. And it can end before everybody gets in the ring. Right. I love that. But I really feel like they have to establish with the first one that the match can really end before everybody comes out. So I'm kind of hoping that some of these guys are just red herrings and we never even get them in the ring. Like I would prefer if the match ends before like whoever Colt Cabana enters or Phoenix enters or well, well you want Phoenix a ladder match, but you get the idea because then you're teaching the audience when you have these matches. Okay. The order of entry is even more important. There's, Entering last is an advantage and a disadvantage because the advantage is you're fresh. The disadvantage is you might not even never get in the ring. And entering first, the same thing. Like, yeah, you're going to get beat up, but you could win the match before everybody even gets in. You have more of a chance to win the match. Right, right. And, and like some people see that as like, oh, that's stupid or unfair. It doesn't make any sense. But but I kind of like that aspect of wrestling where it's like, ah, tough shit, man. No, you, you know, the luck of the draw didn't work out for you. So, you know, better luck next time. I, I, I kind of enjoy that. I don't know why. It, 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 I, I think we're so used to everything being so well, perfect and all that and, and so regimented and so structured. That, yeah, I kind of like the idea. That it's like, oh, well, you didn't make it in time. Sorry. Well, it's like anything else. It's how you it's how well you book it. This concept could be terrible if it's poorly booked. But it could be great if it's well booked. And this is, has been a well booked company and I give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think they would they'll do a good job with this sort of concept. So my hope is that it ends before everybody enters. Do we really need Frankie Kazarian to get in there? No. So maybe you end it before he makes it in. You know, and and then make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Oh, it leads to some really cool spots too, because I can just envision like you know Phoenix is on the top of the ladder, about to grab, and then oh my god, Kip Sabian's out, and you know he runs out as quick as possible and tries to climb up the ladder to knock Phoenix off. That's cool. Like that's it's different. It's a different take on the same old multi-man ladder match that we've seen a thousand times. If this was a ladder match where all these dudes are just sitting in the ring at the same time, and like you can you can close your eyes, you can see exactly how the match is going to be structured, exactly the spots that are going to happen, and all that sort of stuff. So I like the idea that hey, we're putting a different spin on this, a different take. Like you said, it might be a com- an unmitigated disaster, and they just say, "Oh, that fucking sucked," and we'll never use it again. But but I, I appreciate the attempt to try to make it look and feel a little bit different than your your run of the mill multi man ladder match. And then in the future, there's strategy involved. Some wrestlers will prefer to to enter early. Some will prefer to enter late. 
The commentators could get into that. So I think it's a really good idea. Um, you know, and I think it'll be a wild car crash and the, and the match. Now, Phoenix, who knows? That, that him landing on his hip I, on Wednesday, <laughs> I would not be stunned at all if he's out of this match. Now, you're probably going to have to kill this man or, or – or have him have a broken hip. Yeah, it, it's Phoenix. Like, I've seen this dude, like, not be able to put weight on his leg, and then, like, a day later, he's out there just doing normal shit. <laughs> so, it's, it's you never know with him. Yeah. So, but, I mean, you know, that looks nasty. It not, yeah. And he visibly showed that he was immediately in pain. Um, so, that was ugly. But this is an interesting concept. I'm interested to see the mystery person. It's always dangerous with a mystery person of letting people down. You do have the advantage of no, this is kind of the advantage of no live crowd because if it's a wet fart, it doesn't come across that way, you know, because the crowd doesn't shit on it. Um, so you could probably you may, you know, you get away with comedy or something, but I don't get the idea they would go in that direction. I think this is going to be a major player. Um, now we have the uh, TNT Championship match, Cody versus Lance Archer. This is the finals of the TNT tournament. Uh, Mike Tyson will be there presenting the title to the winner. Um, what do you think of, of Cody and Archer? And I guess what do you think of, of, of Tyson's inclusion into this whole thing as well? I mean, presumably they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And I guess the idea is he's going to draw some mainstream attention. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen a thing yet, man. Oh, when they announced Mike Tyson, I was like, oh, we're going to hear a lot about this from your ESPNs. Your... I haven't seen a fucking thing about Mike Tyson in here. So this may so, not have been the best investment, unfortunately. No, I, I don't see a lot of mainstream attention. It's Friday as we record this. I'm seeing nothing. Um, but, you know, it wasn't worth a gamble, maybe. Um in terms of the match, I said a couple of weeks ago that this felt like the hottest match in, in all of wrestling. I think they have cooled this match off significantly in the last two weeks. It doesn't Joe, feel... Not, not to interrupt, I just looked up. <laughs> ESPN, tomorrow, 7 p.m., are showing nine classic Mike Tyson fights. Wow. So if you're a Mike Tyson fan... <laughs> Oh, shit. I don't think you're going to be watching All Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing. I think you're going to be going to ESPN and watching nine classic Mike Tyson fights. That's like classic counter-programming, but not on purpose. Yeah, I did not know that was happening. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's not good for AEW. No. You're definitely not watching Double or Nothing. No, you're going to watch him knock out Trevor Burbick. And, yeah, let's you know. see. We got uh, Tyson versus Alderson, Jameson, Tillis, Richardson, Ferguson, Spinks, Scaff. Zusky, I don't know who Zusky is. Bruno. Oh, so it's like it's these like the ones where he's just fucking fight. destroying these assholes. Hell yeah, that's okay. yeah. This is going through the whole career because a lot of those are early career fights where he's on the come up. Because the back end of his career, obviously, are the Lennox Lewis fights. Um, uh, no, uh, uh, Vander Holyfield. Yeah, the Holyfield and, and the... um, uh, Razor Ruddick. People like that. You know, when you're getting into the '90s, the guys you're naming are early career destructions where he's just killing people with that fucking uppercut. Yeah, that's when you could tell that he's just a problem, man. There's just like this like fat white dude with a mustache, and there's Mike Tyson on the other side of the ring, and this fat guy with a mustache is like, all right, here we go. Like, let's have a good and then just Mike just rears back one punch, guy's dead, and it's just like, oh. Is boy. uh is the McNeely fight on uh, it's not. That one's awesome. I wish it was, but Yeah. The cocoon of horror. Remember? <laughs> he was gonna wrap Tyson in a cocoon of horror. <laughs> right. Peter McNeely. I'm gonna win on points. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Peter McNeely. Yeah, that was <laughs> wasn't that the post prison type. It was. Yeah, I think that was either his first or second post uh, prison one. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. work this kid. I'm gonna work this kid over and win on points. It's like ding ding ding, boom boom boom. Like okay, yeah, never mind. Utter destruction. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, Tyson fights in real time. Like I'm talking '86, '87, and right when he first got on pay per view, it, it it was the rare thing where people would spend like 70 80 bucks on a Tyson fight and not be upset. Right, that's the thing that, that was always kind of funny cuz if you go back and watch like old WWF or, or WCW at the time, one of the big selling points is our pay-per-views, you know, you're going to get 3 hours, you're going to get entertainment. You, you know, it's not going to end in 25 seconds cuz that's what every every boxing pay-per-view the joke was, you know, the main event's going to end in 25 seconds or whatever. But people didn't care because they're like, "No, it was the best 25. It was well worth." Cuz it was all this build up, these four this 4 hours of build up, all these fights and all these sort of things, and it's Tyson versus whoever and you're like, "Oh, dude, here we go." Let's see if he can do it. It was actually people wanted the fight to be over in 30 seconds. Yes, they didn't want a four-minute Mike Tyson fight. They wanted to see Correct. the utter destruction of humanity by uh, at the hands of Mike Tyson. So, Yep. You were paying to see Tyson destroy someone in the earliest days, yeah. You know, then when he started fighting, you know, later in his career, those were, you know, real fights. And they had intrigue because it was two stars going against each other. But that early career stuff, you, you were paying for the destruction. So, um yeah, that's that's interesting. I I have I can't think that was on purpose. They wouldn't have any kind of is is ESPN in some kind of feud with Turner? I don't think so. I mean, that's just it's got to be happenstance, right? It's got to be yeah. completely accident. Yeah, because Tyson's kind of in the news and and all that sort of stuff. So um, I guess that yeah, I can't imagine they were like, oh, let's counter program double. It, it can't have been it. It just could have been you know. Hey, we have nothing to show. And they showed as many, how many more fucking Bulls games are you going to show? How many more Last Dance reruns are you going to show? So you got to dig into the archives a little bit, and, and, and Tyson's hot right now. So, uh, yeah, I see absolutely why they did that. But, ooh, that's a, that's a huge blow. I had no idea. I, I just looked up Mike Tyson ESPN to see if they had made an article about it. And, no, they're instead promoting wall-to-wall coverage of their Tyson marathon this weekend. So, um, not great. I guess I, <laughs> I guess you can get the post-hype where, you know, Tyson knocks out, you know, Sammy Guevara or something like that. And you can sort of then, um, you know, post that, you know, then ESPN talks about, hey, Mike Tyson was on, you know, all wrestling double or nothing this weekend. And I guess you can get some publicity that way. But I don't think you're getting any new pay-per-view buys uh, because of Tyson right now. I I don't feel any kind of buzz for Tyson is is the bottom line here. Um, And as far as the match goes, you know, two weeks ago, I called it the hottest match in the world. And I really think they've cooled it off. I did not like the Cody angle with the pickup truck where he drove 10 feet. And then hopped out of the truck. That's <laughs> stupid. I mean, it, it, it was. And then they had a really bad. Brawl. But he knocked over That's boxes, cool. Joe. He knocked over boxes. Yeah, and then because he drove you know, quickly was, and then knocked over the boxes. So I mean, come on. That part of it was so bad that everyone's ignoring the shitty brawl that they had. You know. Uh, so then I'm thinking, wow, maybe Cody and Archer aren't going to have any chemistry and they're going to have a bad match. So that kind of took the wind out of the sails. But then I thought, okay, next week on the go home, they're going to have a hot pull apart. They weren't on the show. Yeah, I, I was stunned that they weren't on the show. I thought I missed something. I went and rewound. I looked at old reviews, and I was like, okay, I guess I didn't miss anything. This is weird. So, I mean, I really feel like they should have done the Arn Jake thing two weeks ago and then did an angle with Archer and, and Cody on the go-home week but done a better angle. Um, so I really think they have they blew the build to that. They peaked it. it. It wasn't on purpose, but it peaked way too early. And it's really been cooled off since. You know, in reality, Rich, they should have done the Jake angle with Brandy this week. 
They should have had Jake. Yeah, Lewis. that was the heat. That was the real heat. And, and yep. it's, it's certainly, di- I mean, yeah, listening to Arn Anderson and, and Jake Roberts throw, you know, lobs at one another, that doesn't really have me super excited. So, No, they should have done that two weeks ago and then built to this week. Like, Jake should have been threatening Brandy all along, building to the Arn thing where he threatens her again. And then this week he should have gotten his hands on Brandy and put the snake on her. And for whatever reason, Cody is unable to help because Archer gave him a fucking uh, whatever the fuck move to, to take him out. Then Jake puts the snake on Brandy and, and dry humps her. You do that angle this week because you're right. That was the heat. That's the heat, right? They did it almost in reverse, right? They did the, 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 the old guy promo this week. And then like they did all the hot shit three, four weeks ago. So weird weird build that really has sucked the wind out of the sails but we'll see um i still think um it's the match oddly that i'm still most interested in so i want to see what they do with this title and everything and i want to see but i have more questions about it now than i did before yeah as far as the you know the winner i i thought you know weeks ago definitely archer seemed like the right pick to win at this point i'm not so sure i guess cody is is an okay uh pick we mentioned the spears you know he's got a he's got a you know storyline already there with sean spears who can who can you know challenge him i still think lance is the better pick and i i would pick lance because i think lance you know i think he loses a little bit by not winning this whereas cody i i think is is kind of teflon at this point and i like the idea of cody not being able to win the big one not being able to win the championship so i would still you know side with archer on this but i guess i wouldn't be totally Totally upset uh, if, if Cody won, but I do think also it's a little. It, it's not a direct, you know, sort of shot at at, at you know the or uh, you know, kind of a negative that you know Cody you know can't win the world title, but then wins the first title that they announce after that. Like I know some people brought that up, and I, I don't love it that way. I still probably wouldn't have him win a title for a little while, but I don't hate it as much as some others. But I, I still I still side with Archer. I think Archer should get this. I, I, I think he. I think the title helps him a lot more than it helps Cody. Yeah, I think there's ways to beat Archer where it doesn't really cool him off. Um, it's all how you do it, you know? Um, and I, I don't know if Cody – I don't have a problem with either guy winning, but at some point Cody is going to have to win a big match. Sure. That's the other thing too. And isn't this really playing out the way we always thought it would way back when Cody said if he lost to Jericho, he would never get to challenge for the world title again? Instantly, we both thought, well, okay, they're going to have a secondary title and they're going to build it around Cody and they're going to make it feel important. And it's not going, it's going to kind of take the edge off of the idea that he can never be world champion. And that's almost exactly what they're doing here. Like, flash forward a year and they're in position to do exactly that. So there's an obvious argument for Cody to win. And then you build this title around them. And like anything else, if you make it feel important, it'll be important. If you don't make it feel important, it won't be. Um, now, so there's an argument for Cody. The argument for Archer is he's hot and he's coming into the company. He's destroying people. Hasn't really been tested. And, um, you know, like you're saying, you might not want to cut that off. So I like both arguments and I don't have a problem with either guy winning. It's how either guy wins is what I'm going to be more focused on to see how the other guy comes across and defeat. Um, I almost wouldn't mind a violent Lance Archer squash and Cody really having to reassess whether Jake Roberts was right all along and whether he really is no match for this guy 
And then the idea being, well, who do, and maybe nobody in this company is. Yeah. That would be okay. Cody winning an absolute dogfight where he's fighting to his last breath would be okay because I don't think Archer loses anything in that scenario. So there's different things you can do that bo- that all work. That's why, to me, it's the match I'm most interested in and why I think it's the most interesting match on the show because I want to see what they do with it. And it can be great character development for everyone depending on how they handle it. Uh, women's championship match here. Uh, no DQ, no countout. Nyla Rose uh, defending the title against Akaru Shida. Are you uh, are you buzzed about this match? Because I'm pretty I'm pretty down on the on the build of this. I think it's been pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I think the the build has been okay in getting Shida to the number one contender spot because we saw her progression as she won matches and climbed the rankings. As far as do I feel like there's a ton of heat on the match? Not really. So I think that's the perspective you're probably coming from. Um, am I fired up about the match? I'm not. I mean, I think Sheeta should win. Um, but, it, uh, you know, it's not going to bother me if she doesn't. This week was a little weird because of the injury in the match with Rose pinning Sheeta. But we don't know if that was the original plan. They had to improvise at that point. They're on live TV. You know, I cut them a break. If that, you know... But it's weird where the champion pinned the challenger. But Sheeta got her heat back with the table spot after the match. But you kind of have to throw all that out. Unfortunately, that's part of the reason the pay-per-view build wasn't great. That's another thing that went wrong. You know, that match just got thrown all out of sync because someone got hurt. Um, look, it's, I don't know. I, I don't have a ton of feelings on it. I would prefer if Sheeta won. But it really doesn't matter. Like, the result here does not matter. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. It's like, who can, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I don't know if Nyla's, on, on her end, I haven't been too excited about much of what she's done. And and, and like you said, the Sheeta Rise has been fine, but it's it's like, with a lot of this women's division, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, either one could win, who cares? <laughs> you know, what I mean? like Sheeta can win, and it's like, all right, fine, Nyla can win, and whatever. It's, it's hard to really get excited about the booking or really get in-depth with the booking. It's like you can flip a coin, really, and, and, and both ways that you flip it be fine. You, you know, if Sheeta won this match, okay. If Nyla won the match, okay. It, it, you know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, let's go to the uh, championship match here, the world t- championship match, uh, presumably the main event. Uh, John Moxley defending the title against Brody Lee. So uh, what are your thoughts on this build, and, and do we see uh, do we see Brody uh, win the championship here? I, I don't think so, but I'm curious if you have a... Uh, a uh, secondary thought or, uh, you know, think the opposite that, that Brody might win this one. I'd be really surprised if he wins. Um, he couldn't have had a worse go home promo. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Yeah. He was lost out there. He lost his train of thought. He was stumbling over his words. Um, I do think people have been too quick to write him off because then I'm seeing stuff like they should have never hired him. <laughs> yes, it's ridiculous. He's been great. It's been great yeah. until that moment. One bad moment so far. And he had a bad week. I mean, you know, calm down. You know, they should have never hired him. He should never lead a faction. I knew he was a mistake. He's no good. It's like everybody's been praising Vince was him. right. Vince was right. <laughs> yeah, calm down. You know, it's like he had a bad week. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible time to have a bad week. Um, and the jury's out. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, you know, you know, you know, it's it's one thing to be great on pre-tapes. It's another thing to be great on live TV, right? So maybe he, it, it, when I if I see a pattern of bad live promos from this guy, I'll write him off in the role. But the pattern we saw before this was that he was shockingly great at promos and nobody knew it. 
So I'm not going to throw this guy out, you know, with the bathwater because he had one shaky promo. I think, but that's wrestling fans. We all have to have takes. I get it, you know, but it's like sometimes it's it just sometimes a bad promo is just a bad promo. Sometimes a bad match is just a bad match, and um, I'd like to see a a pattern of shit from the guy before I decide that they shouldn't have hired him. I mean, can we calm down? Right. But that's, you know, um, that's not a take that's going to get you likes and retweets saying, Hey, uh, bad week, but, uh, hell yeah, we'll see about next week. Yeah. The, the take is this guy stinks. You know, this guy sucks. Yeah. You know? I, you know, it's, but, but yeah, it was a horrendous promo. And this, the thing here is it doesn't feel like the biggest match on the show. It does. And I think Moxley not being there is an aspect of it, but also, I think Brody's been good, but he doesn't... I don't know. He doesn't feel like the big title challenger right now, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just can't put my finger on it. It's like, I like the Dark Order. I, I like what he's been doing with the Dark Order. I like a lot of what he's been doing. It just... It feels like it's all happening a little too soon and that he's getting this title shot too soon. I don't know. Yeah, it's just... It, it's clunky and weird for me right now. You have to end the show with the Stadium Stampede match. Even if I didn't think it was going to be a Bells and Whistles match, that feels like the biggest match on the show to me. Moxley Lee feels like the third biggest match. Right, I, right, right. I the go-home angle put, on Dynamite even kind of speaks to, to your point there. Yeah, I mean, I'd still put Cody and Archer ahead of it. Um, and that's not always a bad thing to have your world title match no. not feel like the biggest match. It's a bad thing if you intend it to be the biggest match and it doesn't feel like the biggest match. On this show, I think it was kind of up in the air something, you know, one match, certain matches were going to emerge bigger than the others. And it just happened to fall into the third slot. Um, you know, Moxley should win. Obviously. I think what we're seeing here is these were the long-term plans and they stuck to them because Lee debuted in Rochester and it would have been perfect hometown. And I think the idea was they were going to build them up for this pay-per-view and it may have felt hotter if all of this were in front of crowds this whole time. Right. Or if Moxie was there, you know, half the time and, and he wasn't. Like all of that. And it's like, I think what we're seeing with Lee is very analogous or very similar to Drew McIntyre. It's like they both got their biggest career opportunities at the worst possible time. And it's hard to gauge where they really are, you know, and we've talked about McIntyre at length. And I think this is a very similar situation. But I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, because of the COVID, I think they're just doing Lee as a throwaway thing. I disagree. No, no this was the plan all along. I feel like this was the plan all along. I, I, I feel like they just stuck to the plan and said, look, we're going to just let the chips fall now and do what we were planning on doing and you know, not change direction. Because if you just look at his debut and build, it feels like a pay-per-view debut and build right it should have been that but like i I said at the top it's just because of the circumstances it doesn't feel it you can you can tell that they definitely yeah you can tell that they definitely had the right idea the right plan the right you know sort of steps all there but they the steps just couldn't and moxie wasn't there whatever circumstances you don't know about the crowd reactions you don't know that sort of stuff but yeah i think they absolutely the the plan was there i think the plan was right but it because of the build it feels all too soon or all too clunky in, in, in a way but no i i think Exactly what they were going to do was, 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 was I think, the, the idea was right, and the idea was there. It's just, yeah, circumstances led to it not really quite working out, I think. This is such a match where in another company there would be a temptation for a non-finish. But in this company, they've done finishes, so I'm interested to see how Lee comes across after he loses. Because he has to lose. 
I mean, I guess he could win. But the point here is someone has to lose this match. And that's why I find AEW so much more interesting than WWE right now. Because WWE can always use that escape hatch and take the cheap way out. And this company has not done that at all. You know, it's someone wins and someone loses. And they seem to always have a plan, a follow-up plan. Uh, for both guys when that happens. And, you know, it feels weird to have Lee coming in so hot. You know, and even my instincts are, oh, well, you got to have him get DQ'd or something. No, he's going to fucking lose. Yeah, right. And then, you know, and that's how it goes. And then and then we go from there. Um, or he wins and shocks the world. I, I don't think they're going to put the title on him. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's impossible, but I, I just don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think the time is right for that at all. Even if that even if that was the plan, you know, two months ago or three months ago or whatever, that needs to not be the plan right Agreed. now. Agree. you got to pivot off that Right, now. right. Yeah. If you want to do that down the line, put a pin in it, go back to it at some time again, but not not right now. I mean, doing you doing are... big title changes right now, not a good idea. I just think you, you, you're, you're going to go down the Drew McIntyre level here. We're going to get just doomed. Yeah, I, I'd wait for sure. Yeah, you're perilously clinging to the viewers you have. I mean, you can't do a big risky thing like that, and then people go, "Oh, fucking Luke Harper's your champion." I'm, I'm out. Then you don't, you don't need people doing the Mark Cuban. I'm out. Like they've done with McIntyre. You know, you have, you even have a fucking test case for it, staring you right in the face. So, um, yeah, he shouldn't win. And I completely, you made a great point. Even if that was the plan, it can't be anymore. No, you got to change. You got to pivot and keep it on Moxley because Moxley's a proven ratings guy too. So all those things have to matter right now. Yeah, I mean, I doubt Mo- Lee was ever the plan, but um, you know, yes, yeah, so I expect Moxley to retain. And that's it for uh, AW Double or Nothing. We Joe will be doing a live reaction show immediately following Double or Nothing on Saturday, uh, ten dollar tier, uh, patreoncom slash Voices of Wrestling. So those listening live. You'll get it. You're already on that same tier. Uh, but those on the $5 tier, people that are not subscribed, $10 gets you our live instant reaction immediately following the show. Uh, we're going to go on there and we will talk double or nothing. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. These are always fun. We have a lively chat room all the time immediately after these shows. So I'm excited to do it and, and excited to react to, uh, to what should be a, a pretty interesting show. This is big news. Instant reaction. Live. Get into it, Krejci. I'm into it. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm just I'm looking ahead here at this, uh, this other stuff we're doing. I'm looking at the time and looking at the other stuff, but I think we're in, we're in good shape here for the rest of the show. But no, yeah, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, voice of wrestling.com slash Patreon, instant reaction live immediately following AW or nothing. Like literally the second it ends, we're going to try to go live as quickly as possible. So um, if you want our thoughts, I would suggest subscribing because we're not going to do it twice. So we're not going to come on the show next week. And, you know, do a full breakdown of Double or Nothing again because we're going to do it on Saturday night. So. Right. It's going to be like our Mania thing where we just kind of quickly, you know, on the flagship go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still think this? Yeah, you still think this? Yeah, whatever. But, yeah, we'll probably react more to the reaction of uh, of Double or Nothing, which happens on the TV show this week, versus giving their actual breakdown of the show itself. So, yeah, if you want that breakdown of the show, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, $10 tier. Listen to it live. Uh, we'll be exciting. And then the replay will be up as well uh, for the $10 members. Uh, uh, you know, because we there was a conf- some confusion on the last instant reaction we did. The five dollar tier, you will not get these live ones. It's only the ten dollar tiers that get the instant reaction lives. So, um, yeah, let's do a little house cleaning. Any live show is for the ten dollar subscribers only. That includes the replays of the live shows. If it is if it is broadcast live, okay, 
behind the paywall, it, it then the, the replay exclusively goes to that tier as well. So uh, that clears that up. One other note with the Patreon that I wanted to do uh, every week. I mean to do it on the show. This is only going to take a minute, but a lot of people who have upgraded from the $5 tier to the $10 to the $10 tier have then lost access to $5 posts, the old $5 posts. In other words, you come in on the 10 tier or you upgrade from five to 10 and then you go and try to listen to the old Jovember to remembers or uh, Kings of the Tokyo dome. And you're locked out of it because you're on the $10 tier and those are $5 tier shows. That's been happening to not everyone, but a good portion of people who upgrade. Which is even more annoying that it's not everybody. That it's like yes. 10% of the people have this issue, which is just the fucking most annoying thing in the world. Right, because then I email support and because it's not everyone, it's harder for them to pinpoint. But the workaround, which has worked for everyone, is the following. If you're on the $10 tier... You should have access to every single post behind the paywall. If you don't, downgrade to the $5 tier and then immediately re-upgrade to the 10 You will not get charged again because you've already paid the 10 for that month. Downgrade to 5 immediately upgrade back to 10 and for whatever reason, that workaround has worked every time and has unlocked all of those posts below the $10 tier. So that's the fix. We've been getting a lot of messages. I answer everybody. I, I walk everyone through it. But this way I can hit everyone if we talk about it here on the show. So that's the workaround. It has worked every time. I haven't had a single person come back to me and say, that didn't work. Now what do I do? It works every time. So uh, do that. If it doesn't work for you, then come back to me and I'll work with you and I'll go back to support and, and if need be, I'll give you your money back. That's fine. I don't care about that. Until we can work it out, I'll give you your refund. But that has worked for everyone. Yeah. So um, do that work around and, and, and you should be okay. But um, just wanted to make quick note of that. Yeah, and it seems weird because I know people are always apprehensive to, to do it of like, oh, I don't want to downgrade. I want this. And like you're saying, you won't get charged additional. You won't get charged extra. The downgrade – the, the upgrade, downgrade, upgrade again. It works every single time for, for those. So, yeah, it's, it seems weird at first. It seems a little clunky. It seems odd. But, yeah, it has worked for everybody, and nobody's been screwed, and nobody has, has either, hey, not had it work or, or B, been double-charged or, or triple-charged or anything like that. So that, that that is good to know. That it, It's just a bug that we encountered by adding a new tier because all of the – once you subscribe to 10, all of the future $5 stuff no one has had an issue with. It's the old $5 yeah. stuff. So to fix that bug, you just downgrade it and upgrade again, and you don't get charged. It doesn't do anything to your account. It's just because you've already paid the 10. So when you downgrade and then immediately upgrade up, you're not getting charged because they've already taken your money for that 10. So it, that that's the fix. It works. That's the solution. Um, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it's okay if I can't see the old stuff. No, bullshit. You're paying for it. So, yeah, right, right. You want to have that ability to go back if you want to listen to an old fucking uh, Death's Door episode where I talk about old WCW or an old school Joe Vammer remember. Yeah, no, you fucking pay for this. Get your money's worth. Yeah, and there's so much evergreen stuff behind that paywall. I mean, you're not going to go listen to old news updates, but all that evergreen stuff you you paid for and you're entitled to listen to, and I want you to be able to listen to it. So do that fix and don't stay quiet. If you're having a problem, let us know, um, and and if I can't fix it, then I will I will direct you to uh, I will put you in all the emails to 
to uh, to support and we'll do everything we can. And I'm more than willing to give you your money back until we can work it out. So um, don't be quiet about it. Be vocal. Let us know and we'll help you get through it. All right, let's get to uh, the other topics we have on the show. We got uh, two big tournaments going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, Dragon Gate's King of Gate tournament is uh, ongoing, and uh, AAA's Lucha Fighter tournament just actually wrapped up. Uh, Joe, what? Uh, which one do you want to start with? What's, what one's got you excited? Because we have we've seen most of of both of these, or I've seen I've seen all of King of Gate. I've seen most of Lucha Fighter. I think have you seen all of everything? I have seen all of Lucha Fighter and most of King of Gate. There we so go. We have okay. Yeah, perfect. So, uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's do uh, – well, I mean, I think Lucha Fighter is, like, way better. Yes, I don't know yeah, I, I agree. Let's go Let's go with that then. So then let's start with that because I have not enjoyed King of Gate at all, but we'll save that for the back end. I think we have about 15 minutes for each because we have about a half hour left. Yeah, yeah. So that's that should be plenty of time. Lucha Fighter was spread out between four weeks. They filmed it on April 18th. Um, not either here nor there, but that's the – birthday of my ex who planted that fucking bush in the backyard <laughs> that I talked about earlier. Uh, so, uh, happy birthday. Um, yeah. send her, you didn't it. send her a text? You didn't say, you know, give her a little uh, birthday cake not, emoji text? You didn't? Uh... Okay, no bad blood, but not one that I talked Yeah, to. that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm that way and, too. So, And also, I'm married now. It's not good form to still, like, talk. Like, there was a couple I still talked to, but since we weren't what I would consider friends, friends, you kind of cut it out. Yeah. For you're sure. married. It's, 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 you know what I mean? Well, I got, it's, in, it's I got not... in trouble a few years ago. Cause, cause one of my exes texted me a happy birthday. I don't, I have no idea when her birthday is. It's one of those where she, I'm like, why do you remember my birthday? Like, I have no clue when your birthday was. So yeah. she always texts me and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then like, there was one night where I was like talking back and forth a little bit of like, hey, how's it going? Like she had just had a kid. I'm like, how's a kid? All that sort of stuff. And Michelle's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, ah, Chris, or, you know, eh, da, 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 whatever. And and she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh no, no, it's not that. <laughs> like I'm trying right, to, right, you know, right. yeah. I was like, look, you can see the messages. It's me. You know, I'm not, I'm not I don't care. Yeah. I don't want that anymore. I'm good. I've, I've moved on, but you, you know, it's always kind of tricky to. You know. You're just humoring her with her dopey baby, and it's you right. Know, how's the baby? How's the kids? And then she's like, "Oh, my dad got divorced." I'm like, "I don't care." <laughs> like, okay, yeah. yeah you're all like, right. I, you're like, all right. <laughs> like, you don't want to just totally be like, "Ah, fuck off." Like, I don't care. Like, because it wasn't yeah. that. It wasn't like that sort of you know, "Hey, fuck off" breakup. So I'm like, "Yeah, oh, that's that's bad." And yeah, oh, well, you're or new. Uh, yeah, my dad's new. You know, girlfriend doesn't let him talk to me. I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah, whatever." <laughs> like, you know, I'm just like, I don't care. Now so you're get getting roped. Now, now you're getting roped into her life. That's it. Yeah, like, exactly. And that's why yeah. I was just like, "All right, I forget what I did. I think I just didn't respond, and then she didn't wish me a happy birthday uh, the last year, the next year. So oh. that's good. So that's fine. That's now good. She's We're gone good. forever. That's Perfect fine. situation. That's exactly what uh, I wanted. So that's no problem. So. Uh, filmed on April 18th and then they aired it over the course of four weeks on their, on their YouTube channel. Um, this was three tournaments at once. You had your minis, you had your women, and then you had your dudes and the dudes were, what was that? A 16 man tournament, I think. And yes. Yeah. I believe, I believe that's the case. Yeah. The minis was a little four man tournament. I didn't mean a little four man. <laughs> I, I, I meant, <laughs> you meant in terms of the number of participants in the tournament, not the the height of the members of the tournament. <laughs> you know what? Just fucking cancel me again. What does it matter? At yeah, this point? cancel me. I'm already canceled, so that's fine. Cancel these nuts. How about yeah, that? That's that's a, the, meant... the, the awesome Ric Flair line. The fire me. I'm already fired. You know, and he's yelling at Eric Bischoff. That's where you're at. Cancel me. I'm already canceled. So. Exactly. <laughs> right. I 
I meant the tournament was little because there was only four guys in it. <laughs> but let's face it. There's four fucking midgets in the thing. They're little too. Okay, so it's a four-man minis tournament, 16 dudes, and I think it was uh, eight women, if I'm not mistaken. So they have three tournaments going on at once over the course of four weeks. Um, I thought this was a shit ton of fun. And I thought there were a couple legitimately great matches in this thing too as we go through uh, day by day. Rich, do you watch, did you watch day by day? Did you? What haven't you seen? The final day? or Yeah, what, so I've seen – I've actually seen – so what, what I did is I watched most of the – so I watched all of the first round. I watched every single match in the first round. Then I was yeah. a little pressed for time, so what I did is Ricardo Gallos on our website did a great guide for, like, you know, Lucha during quarantine. I'll, I'll put a link in the description as well. Uh, and he gave recommended matches for each of the nights. So what I then, then did moving forward, I was like, look, there's no way I'm going to be able to finish all these matches moving forward. So what I'm going to do is I watched the entire first night. I knew all the participants. I knew everybody that was in there. And then I watched just kind of the recommended match on each night and that helped me yeah. get through the, the bit so i've seen like you know i obviously saw the final i saw one of the semifinals i saw two of the quarterfinals so i saw a lot i just didn't see everything else that that, that went on in the tournament because okay so we can talk about everything then because you know you basically saw all the key stuff and yeah you right, saw right, right. The final and, and you know who won everything and um i'm desperately stalling because i'm waiting for a page to load i hate this fucking shit when i click a page <laughs> it's just load because I'm trying to talk about this, and I don't know what I'm looking at here. Um, that is day – no, that is a – I have, if you want, a cage match actually very nicely has it, the entire tournament listed if you want. So I can uh... – Yeah, but it, it's it, – the events are – No, no, no. There you go. order. No. Oh, so, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But... All right, so you got to click – okay, so day one. All right, here we go. I'm all set. It took forever to load up. But um, we'll just give thoughts on each day. How yeah, about that? let's do that. that that's a good way to do it. Um, day one, I thought it, it started off great because I thought that Dinastia versus Octagoncito match was phenomenal. Oh, I thought fucking it was great. Yeah, that's my match of the tournament. That's my favorite match of the entire tournament so far. That was yeah, fucking see, great. This was my match of the tournament until like the third or fourth day. We'll talk about the match that overtook it. But it's still my second favorite match of the tournament, that Dinastia Octagon Cito. I thought they took tremendous bumps. Dinastia is great. Didn't mm-hmm. he win Observer Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago? I'm trying um, to remember. I've kind of lost track of that Rookie of the Year. Uh, um... He either won it or finished like top three yeah, in, I want to say, track. like 2014 or 15. But, um, you know, he's a guy that's always impressive, and I hadn't seen him in a while, but he was very good in this match. And Octagon Cito. I feel like this has to be like the ninth different version of Octagon Cito. <laughs> I've been watching Octagon Cito's since legitimately like 1994. Like I, I feel like there have been that many Octagon Cito's running around. But uh, this guy was pretty good. He won in 2012. Jesus Christ. I can't imagine. Jeez, look at these names. 2010, Adam Cole. 2011, Daichi Hashimoto. Uh, 2012, Dina Stia, And then 2013, Yohei Kamatsu. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, 2012. So, that's a long ass time ago, man. Yeah, so we're talking eight years ago, but um, he's very good, and that was, as I recall, well earned that year. I thought he was excellent um, uh, that year, and I think we talked about him in the early days of the flagship at that time too, being impressed with him. But um, he beat Octagon Cito to move on in what I thought was the best match of the first day and the best match of the whole tournament until we got to um, 
Vikingo versus uh, Pentagon. Yeah, oh, that's that's definitely my solid number two for sure. I, I I wanted to like that one a little bit more, but I was kind of left saying, nah, that that opener was still a little bit better. But no, those are two my top two for sure, same as you. So yeah, we'll hold off on that one. But they the Laredo boy beat Drago Kid in the other mini semifinal, so they got that out of the way quickly. Um, and then the rest of the first day, I mean, the matches were all like six minutes long and um, easy. I found this tournament very easy to watch uh, after the fact because there was so much downtime. The files are two hours long, but the matches are all short. And since I don't understand Spanish anyway, there's no point watching the in-between. Where right, right, right. I did that the, when the episode one was going on. I was like an hour and a half in, and I'm like, why am I watching these segments? I'm sitting here watching like these dudes on a studio set be like, ah, yeah, yeah, and they're just talking. I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what's going on. Why am I not skipping this? And then I realized I should just skip forward uh, much easier. So, yeah. Yeah, we've got like Maximo Sexy giving his thoughts. <laughs> right, and, I'm like, watching this, and I'm like, okay, all right. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know what the fuck he's saying anyway. I don't know so. any word. I don't know Spanish. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, there wasn't much to the first day. The only thing that jumped out at me the first day was, and I didn't know this, but they're not using licensed music anymore. So you got Dr. Wagner Jr. coming out. Where's the fucking Bon Jovi? Where's Bad Medicine? Am I right? He's got some Muzak version of Bad Medicine with, like, different words. And I'm just so offended by this. And then you get to the end of the show. Have you heard Psycho Clown's new entrance music? I did, yeah. Has it been stuck in your head since because it's so bad? It's not great, yeah. I And, and there was no fire, and that kind of made me upset as well. I, I don't know if I hated it as much as you did, but it wasn't it wasn't good, that's for sure. I cannot take the new Psycho Clown music. It's, it's very bad. Um, but uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. losing bad medicine, that's a hit. I mean, this is like... That that hurt me on a level of going to that first Ring of Honor television taping during the HD Net era and getting generic rock songs for everybody instead of the licensed music. It just hit me in my soul. But uh, that was day one. So we'll move on to day two with uh, two of the worst women's matches you'll ever see. I don't know if you watched these. I did not. No, I skipped these over. So I, I, I think I guess I did a <laughs> good thing by skipping those. Because the women's yeah, match on night one was it, great. I thought that was an awesome, awesome match between the two women on night one. The women's matches on night one blew away the women's matches on night two, which is where we got um, this big mommy versus Vanilla and then uh, Lady Maravilla versus Kira. Uh, Lady Shani versus Fabi Apache was okay. But the first two were really bad. Big mommy. I don't know. People are going to get mad at me, but uh, she stinks. It's well, I, she's fun in like an eight man tag on the undercard yeah, of a triple it, mania or whatever. But yeah, it, on a one on one aspect, it's it's not that interesting or fun. So. It's it's a fun prelim act, and people got mad at me the last time I said that. But when you look at Big Mommy's match history, she always works the opener. The only time she didn't work the opener is when she had the big feud blow off at the end of the Hamburguesa thing last year. Other than that. Her matches are always the opener. I don't know why people got mad at me when I called her uh, a popular prelim level act. That's what she is. Um, and, and I mean, she's not out there having five-star classics. And, the you know, she, the, the act is a little cringe to me. I don't know. I'm not into Big Mommy. I just – it's she's never done it for me. Uh, you know, it just I, – I don't know. Um, and this match wasn't any good. Um, the rest of this day was okay. You had um, some more first-round matches with the men – with uh, uh, Chessman defeating Mysticis Jr. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. 
uh, L.A. Park beat Laredo Kid. That was a pretty good match. Yeah, I watched that one. That was really good. I thought Park, um, you know, for for a guy who you know has a reputation as just being kind of a brawler and kind of a walk and brawl dude, he was there neck and neck with Laredo Kid the entire match. I thought that was a really impressive uh, performance by Park, who didn't need to bust his ass on these shows, and and I thought did a pretty good job, uh, particularly and in this banged, match. And I, and I think he's banged up too, so give him credit. Park was one of the MVPs of the whole tournament. Oh, he was great. Yeah, I don't know why he was putting so much effort here, but hey, good for him, man. It was awesome. Par- Park, Pentagon, Dinastia, to me, were the three real standouts of the tournament. Uh, Pagano beat Octagon Jr., and then um, Pentagon Jr. beat uh, Hamburguesa. I didn't like that match, but I liked – because Hamburguesa is no good either. But I liked the way they worked it in that Pentagon Jr. was just basically bullying him and beating the shit out of him. And Hamburg Lisa was like yelling with these shrieks. And yeah, these it was screams. actually uncomfortable at certain points. I had my, I had my, uh, you know, I had my windows open and I'm listening kind of loud or whatever. And I see my neighbor in the other room. And I'm like, ah, I turn these down a little bit. Like, he's probably like, what are you watching over there? It's like, so he made a little bit of a comeback, but then you know, Pentagon put him away. I, I say I didn't like it, but actually, now that I'm talking myself through it, I kind of liked it. more It was than good. I it wasn't I like a standout. It's like not a match that I would say you absolutely have to watch in the tournament. Well, I guess no. I guess it would be a match you have to watch in the tournament because I think it was an important match in, in telling the story of Pentagon, and it's over pretty quick. It's like none of these matches were more than nine or ten minutes uh, long or whatever. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I checked it out. But yeah, it's not like I don't think it's one of the top five matches of the entire tournament. But 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 solid. It, it yeah. I mean, you know, it, it told a good story. Uh, the match did tell a good story. So um, you go to day three, which is the semifinals of the ladies, and then the quarterfinals of the men. This is where we got the Pentagon Jr. El Hio del Vikingo match, which is the one that I would call an absolute must-see match. And I guess since Rich thought the Dinastia Octagoncito match was better, you would call that a must-see match as well. And that was my number two match. So if you really don't want to go through all of this, I would say the two matches you have to watch would be Pentagon Jr. versus Vikingo for sure. I oh, mean, that yeah, fucking yeah. ruled. And the and the mini-match, the opener of night of day one, I thought. I went about three and three quarters on the mini, and this, to me, was a notebook match, Pentagon versus Vikingo. Um, this fucking ruled. Vikingo is so good. Oh, my God. Uh, the entire just... time he's watching, I'm just like, this, this dude, like, if I was running a company, you'd really have to, like, if I was at the table, <laughs> you'd really have to be like, Rich, no, we can't give him our championship. No, we can't build the company around him. But I, he's so good. Like, dude, he's unbelievable. He's like, I promise you. Okay, uh, I'm doing it again. But like, I pro- if you put that dude in front of a fucking audience, like, people are going to buy shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's so good. He's jump off the page good. He's tell your yeah. friends he's good, good. You, you know? Like, I'm un- I, I, every time I see him. And, like, you think at this point, it's 2020, I'm doing it again. You think it's 2020, and, like, we've seen everything, and then you see this dude, and you're like, oh, he's better than anybody I've ever seen. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, His I, flying is I, ridiculous. I, His offense is unbelievable. He, and he's just, he works at another speed and another level than most of the other guys in this tournament. And a lot of the other guys in this tournament are really good pro wrestlers. Yeah, oh, no, and, he, and you but, can tell he's a, he's, a, he's a leap and bound above those guys, and that's nothing yes. against those dudes. Like he's yeah. in there with Pentagon, and you're you're left going. Pentagon's good, but dude, who's that dude? That guy's fucking incredible. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, you really have to. You'd have to talk about the ledge, man, because I'm ready to just push him to the moon. He looks like a million bucks, though. The the gear looks great. Like, I think he's fucking tremendous. You even compare him to other guys in his style. Like, you watch Laredo Kid, and you're like, that guy's really fucking good. I could watch Laredo Kid. Every fucking and then you watch Vikingo, and it's like, oh, well, he's just like yeah. so much better. Right, right, and, right. Like. And that's not even meant to be an insult to like Laredo Kid who no, was in this thing. No, no. I mean, Vikingo was in that Rey Mysterio territory where I'm like, 
the first time yeah. you see Rey Mysterio and you're like, who the fuck and what is going on? And that guy's going to revolutionize wrestling. Like, I, I'm, I'm actually, so, I mean, I know that, like, obviously there's other circumstances, but I, I would not be surprised if in the next few years that dude's, like, one of the biggest stars in, in wrestling. But we'll see. Yeah. So the women's matches were an improvement on day two, I thought, but still weren't anything special. Um, you know, the clear standout was Pentagon. Pentagon had a great tournament. I thought he was probably the best overall wrestler in the tournament in terms of match quality because he had the great match against Vikingo and then he had, you know, great stuff we'll talk about later or very good stuff we'll talk about later. But also in like his story of the tournament, like coming out and bullying Hamburguesa and then, um, you know, uh, just his, the way he, uh, just, just his, the way he worked in the tournament as well. It wasn't just about match quality with him. He I felt the he most important. Good. Like some of these guys felt like they were just doing their job and going out there and, and participating in a tournament. He, everything that he did felt important and felt meaningful and big and, and, and main event style and that sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, that, that's where I, I definitely got the same vibe from, from Pentagon as watch, you know, watching through all of his matches. So we got to the nitty gritty here because cycle clown beat Tejano. Uh, that, that match I thought told a nice story. Um, uh, where he was working over Psycho Clown's arm. And then Chessman beat Pagano. We talked about Pentagon eliminating Vikingo. And Park beat Dr. Wagner Jr. in the main event, which, you know, they gave away a lot of big matches in this tournament. I was wondering that. I was going to question, like, it, it, was there a reason why they did it? Because I'm, I'm looking up and down the card, and, you know, before I even was going to watch and picking out matches I wanted to see, and I was like, holy shit, there's some, like, top, top-tier matches here. Is that, you know... Did they just want to get as many people watching this thing as possible or something? I, I don't know. It, it seemed kind of surprised that they were. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even really necessarily being critical. I just, because it made for a really great tournament. Right, I don't care. I mean, I loved it, but <laughs> I just found it kind of interesting for sure. This was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed all of this way more than I thought I was going to. Um, so the final night, we get the minis final, and we get the women's final, and then the male semis and final. So five matches. The mini final was Dinastia over Laredo Boy. Remember, we haven't seen these guys since the first night, right? Since the first week, rather. These ran one a week, even though they were all filmed, I think, in the same day. Um, so that was a nice little match. I mean, they, you know, they only went five minutes, but I thought Dinastia, uh, who ended up winning the tournament, was one of the clear standouts of the whole deal. And then uh, Lady Shani won the women's side over La Hiedra. It was fine. Um, but I want to talk about the men here because... Uh, the semifinals, we had Psycho Clown beating Chessman, which was very predictable. But then Pentagon Jr. Uh, and L.A. Park, I mean, I didn't know where they were going to go with that, you know. Um, also, considering they were, I mean, that's another big match. And then either way you go, you're going to have a big match in the final. But uh, I thought Pentagon Jr. and Park had a really good match. Um, and then, you know, they went with Pentagon. And then I was stunned when he beat Psycho Clown in the final, like, I don't know if I should have been, you know, I follow AAA loosely. I mean, I follow it close enough to know what's going on and who slotted where. Um, but I don't know if this sets something up down the line, but I really thought Psycho Clown was going to win the whole tournament. Psycho Clown's their guy. I mean, he right, wins right, 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 right. And, I, you know, and it's like, um, and that was a, a, a pretty good match with a good finish and a, and a shocking finish for me. But how much of this final day did you see? So I, I saw the, uh, the, the Pentagon L.A. Park match which i thought was pretty entertaining like it, it there were some parts that i didn't love in it but i thought for the most part pretty entertaining it felt like well, a big the finish time was the finish was like they did all the bullshit ref stuff and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. and 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 i and i'm never gonna be into that but like the work itself was fine and it was interesting and but yeah the ref stuff and and yeah. all that 
that's for the fucking birds. I have no use. But that's look, that's lucha. You have to deal with exactly it. right, and that, that's kind of what I went in and saying. Hey, I still enjoyed you know ninety percent of that match. I just didn't like the, the, the finish of the last part of it. Uh, but the men's final, really, really good stuff. I mean, it, it like yeah. it's so hard to make matches feel important or feel weighty with the empty arenas, but they found a way to do that. I really like while the match is going on, I'm like, this is a big time match. This is like the tournament final. This like feels like it's got to, you know it's two big stars. It's Psycho Clown versus Pentagon. We've seen Pentagon you know work his way through this tournament. Psycho Clown's the dude. You know he's the the man being pushed right now so like it's so rare that you can do that you know during this time but i thought they did a great job of making it feel important feel like a big deal and it was a really good back and forth match like this is one of you know you know i, I said that i like the opener of the entire tournament the mini uh, opener uh, was my favorite favorite match of the tournament but but i put this in in the upper echelon of all matches i've seen empty arena wise uh so far this year like it it, it it had an atmosphere that a lot of empty arena matches don't have. So uh, credit to them on that. I, I really, really thought it was a, a good match, and it, it felt important. It's one of those matches where, as you're watching it, you kind of forget that there's no one there in the crowd because I think they did a, a good job of making the work just feel like it was it, it was a big deal uh, despite all the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I'd put um, Pentagon as my tournament MVP. I'd put maybe uh, – Dynastia or LA Park second, probably Park. I mean, he worked more matches and all that, but those would be my top three with Pentagon first. And I'd put Psycho Clown fourth. I thought he was solid throughout the whole tournament. He was solid throughout the whole tournament. Um, I didn't really like the women's stuff. I mean, it was fine. It was mostly fine except for day two. I thought day two, the women's matches were, were really bad. Um, like, like legitimately bad wrestling matches. But um, otherwise, other than that, this was easy to watch. It was fun. And you nailed a, uh, on a great point. As it progressed and we got deeper into it, the matches felt big. They found a way to make this final feel big. The semifinals felt big because they gave us big matchups and the wrestlers worked hard. And it, it you know, it was a dynamic where the matches felt important and felt big. And I felt like I was watching big time stuff. So, and again, What's been the formula empty arena? A big key component, short matches. Yep. They didn't go out there like Noah and try to give us 30-minute matches, 27-minute matches. Right, every single – so the, the the final was 10, 7 minutes in the semifinal, 9 minutes in another semifinal, 6, 7, 9, 8, 6, 7, 6, 8, 7, 10, 4, 8. Yeah, there we go. That's how you do it. Jesus yeah. Christ. Tell us the story. Give us <laughs> right. the match. And don't give us a chance to be bored because there's no crowd. You know, the longest, the two longest matches in this tournament were 10 minutes long. Everything else was sub 10 minutes. One of the finals was five minutes. The mini final was five and a half minutes. Mini men, mini tournament, mini final. Yeah, they went five and a half minutes. They did none of this overstate its welcome. So I think that's a big part of it too. They went in there and these matches told stories too. You know, a lot of them told stories that, you know, that we've talked about as we've, as we've gone through it. So it's not like they just went out there for six minutes and fucked around and went to the finish either. You know, because some of these matches did tell very interesting stories. Yeah. Whether it was Psycho Clown getting his arm worked over in the one match or whether it was Pentagon bullying Hamburguesa. Um, the women's matches, I didn't care for them all that much, but there was a running theme in those matches as well. So, um, man, I expected to casually enjoy this the way I usually casually enjoy AAA, but it was something more for me. I really genuinely enjoyed this way more than I thought I would from start to finish. And I could actually highly recommend it to the listener. I think especially the matches that we've praised, um, I think those two or three matches are well worth going out of your way for.
Yeah, everything's free on YouTube as well. I would I would definitely recommend uh, Ricardo Gallegos on our website. The uh, name of the title of the of the piece, as I said, I'll, I'll link it. But if I forget or, or whatever, uh, your guide to empty arena lucha during quarantine is the name of the column. Uh, and every video is embedded there, so you can follow along as he's watching it and, and gives his you know recommendations, gives a little bit of background, and they're all right there. And like we said, the file is daunting. You look and you go two hours. Oh, Jesus Christ! But yeah, really, there's. You know, what, <laughs> nine minutes of wrestling, you know, in, in little short spurts. And then you can forward ahead a little, you know, 15, 20 minutes or whatever. Go to the next nine minutes, 15 minutes, you know, you pass over all the, the junk. Another nine minutes. It's a really, really easy watch if you want to. Yeah, and all the videos are right there, and they're all free for you on, on YouTube. So, Yeah, yeah. How, what did you think of uh, the scientists from E.T. sanitizing the ring between them? <laughs> I love the zoom hits too. They're like yeah. zooming in as he's spraying the ropes, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got it. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I appreciate like, it, but you don't have to show me. Like, I, I get it, but yeah, the, the, the whole Lucha Fighter it starts out with like, yeah, these three dudes walking in the hallway <laughs> spraying shit. And you're like, what is going on? Am I watching Lucha? Or I, yeah, I love the scientist from ET is perfect. Yeah, they, yeah they're wearing hazmat like suits. <laughs> And with their spray bottles of sanitizer, like they're using dangerous chemicals. It's spray bottles with sanitizer, yeah. and they're wrapped and they're wrapped up like astronauts. I'm waiting to see like if Elliot is in the back in a bubble or something. You know, it looked like the fucking scene from the end of ET. Um, I don't know if that was like for effect or if it, they were like being serious about that, but it just cracked me up. But um, yeah, that was Lucha Fighter. Good stuff. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Again, yeah, it's all free on YouTube. Uh, your guide to empty arena lucha during quarantine at uh, Voices Wrestling. Great opportunity to uh, watch along with that. Well, also speaking there's of stuff. Not a, oh, look, sorry, go there's ahead. Not a lot of, there's not a lot of time for King of Gate, but honestly, I got to be honest. I don't have a lot of thoughts about it. I watched all of the first round matches with the exception of, I think I have one match left in the first round. And I know that two of the semifinal matches were released recently. Now, yeah, th- seen- this morning. This morning. Yeah. So I've seen. What is there? Uh, there's 24 men, so 12 matches. I've seen 11 matches, and Rich, honest to God, I don't have a compelling thought about any of them. I thought this is the driest, most boring, uninteresting first round of a tournament. I mean, I, I don't have a take for you. That's fine. I know. I was kind of – because last week I was so hyped for this tournament. I'm like, Joe – there's a tournament. There's stakes. It's Dragon Gate because I think Dragon Gate so far has I, I before this tournament was doing the all Japan. I think is my number one. Triple A has now moved up pretty high on the ladder in terms of like how to present empty arena wrestling. AW does a pretty good job. I thought Dragon Gate's you know Sambo Hall shows where they had all the you know the Dragon Gate guys in the crowd and they were split up by units or split up by you know generations or whatever. I thought that shit was really really cool and they made a lot of noise and the arena looked good and it looked like a fun atmosphere. Well now these are just studio shows with just no life to them whatsoever. So I I have not liked the way they presented these King of Gate and I'm kind of with you, man. There's some matches that have really stood out to me that I've enjoyed. But, man, by and large, it's been a pretty I, – I, I'm glad the first round's over because now there's not as many you know matches to watch. But, yeah, I kind of sat down and said, here we go, King of Gate, let's do this. And, and yeah, watching through these, yeah, they have not hit me on a level that's very good. I mean, Case, I think, has done a great job uh, with our reviews at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. But, um, yeah, I mean, other than – like, matches that have really stood out to me that I'll say if, if you want to watch these and, 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 and want to, you know, kind of check out these shows – uh, Yamato versus Saito from uh, Night One. I uh, definitely recommend that one. 
uh, 13 minutes though. Like again, th- these have been a little bit longer. Some of these matches have gotten a little long in the tooth, which you know, for for you know, being well, in a gotta, being in a warehouse say, is is not the best uh, best idea. But yeah, go ahead. I hear you. They've been easy to watch to me though. I, I I don't think any of the matches have really overstayed their welcome. I mean, they're all broken down in the individual match file, and none of the files are longer than like 15, 16 minutes, right? So it's like. But that, a couple of them, like you're saying, have gotten. But then there's a couple matches that are like six minutes. Right, they're just dry as hell. That's the only problem. It's like the content. So of dry. Are, are, there's not much going on, and 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 yeah, that's why I wish they had done back like what they did with Sambo Hall, where like the crowd, you know, the crowd was the wrestlers or whatever, and they would cheer and boo, and you know, they, they interact a little bit because yeah, you got guys coming out here, you got Dragon Kid coming out here, like you know, gesturing to the crowd that's not there. And you know KZ's doing his freestyle, and you're like, all right, dude, get in the ring. <laughs> like, let's go. There's no one here. Let's just let's get out with the wrestling. Let's go. And and that kind of stuff kind of sucks. Or or you have you know Red coming out and beating up a guy, or they're doing crowd brawling, and you're like, oh, guys, come on. Like, there's no one here. Let's just 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 let you know have some hot wrestling for nine minutes, you know, and, and get out of there. Dragon Gate seems like they would do the best in this sort of thing, and that's why the Sambo Hall shows were so good because Dragon Gate just they didn't do as much of the bullshit. They just kind of got down to to business, and and the workers of Dragon Gate are so good that you don't need to do all that bullshit. But for some reason in this King of Gate, they, they have kind of steered away from that. But um, yeah, night one or, 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 you know, the 15th, I think, was was, was night one. Uh, Yamato versus uh, Rio Saito, really, really good match. Definitely recommend checking that one out. And I like the main event of, of that night, too. The Santa Maria versus uh, uh, Susumu. Uh, pretty good stuff there where, where Santa Maria just kind of outworked Susumu. She just rolled him, rolled him up out of nowhere and, and, and kind of proved, not, not out of nowhere, but they had like, you know, been jostling back and forth in, in a hold and, and Santa Maria got the pin. And, and it was one of those moments where like Susumu wasn't like, damn, it was, was more like, damn, I, I should have won that match and I just didn't. And you were just a better person on this night or whatever. So I, I, I enjoyed that. And, you know, that was a, a cool ish story. But yeah, not much that you really needed to uh, go out of your way to check out. Night two, man, I don't know if I'd recommend anything on night two, to be honest. I think the Okuda BB Hulk match was, I guess, cool because Okuda. Oh, God, BB Hulk stinks. Yeah, okay, that, I... that's exactly what I wanted to bring this up. I think Okuda's cool. BB Hulk, man, I, you got to retire or something. You, he was so terrible in this match. You would never believe that this guy was ever good. He looked like he looked like an indie scummer, and he wrestled like an indie scummer. He looked like, He's done. He looked like he had never wrestled before, and it's like, dude. You know, you're, you're, you you have a leg, like, it's time to go. I mean, he was missing kicks. He was mistiming shit. Like, he was awful in this match. So bad. He's done. He's washed up. Yeah, he's it, finished. It's, 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 it was pretty revealing there. And then you see Okuda, you know, a young guy who I think is pretty solid. Uh, and he's in there working. Like, he's leading the match. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. This guy's in, been in wrestling for two years or whatever. And he's, like, leading BB Hulk through this entire match. So, yeah, it's time to maybe hang up the, the, the red boots there, BB uh, Hulk. But, yeah, nothing else that I really liked. Uh, on night two, I don't know about you if you had any different thoughts. I think every single match, all 11 that I've seen, were two star specials. I didn't like anything in this tournament. That's yet. fair. That's fair. Uh, night three, uh, eight to Strong Machine J, I actually thought was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed that one. Nice little story being told by those eight to get in the win there. Um, otherwise, not much else. I had to watch fucking Cosma Sakamoto go 15 minutes with Mochizuki and win. Did not like that very much. Uh, yeah, there's nothing else on night three that I really enjoyed. Uh, and then the semifinals you have not seen so far. Uh, Yamato KZ, I think you will like. Probably my favorite match so far uh, in the tournament. So I would definitely recommend checking that one out. And, and Diamante versus Santa Maria uh, was the other match on the second round, uh, you know, night four. And that was okay. But uh, I think Yamato KZ w- was definitely a standout. So I definitely check that one out if you get a chance. But uh, Diamante beating Dragon Kid and Mochizuki lo- losing to Cosma Sakamoto. It is just a new era. I yeah, mean, I don't know what's going on there. It's tough. But um, I- I'll keep watching it because I think they're easy watches. But I just 
I don't know. No, the the matches weren't. I don't think any of the matches were bad. I think the work is good. I just they're just nothing matches to me. So hopefully the the later rounds improve. Yeah, the atmosphere is really dry too, and it's like every the, the problem is it kind of lulls you in because everything is exactly the same. It's like you click the video file, the ring announcer guy says, uh, you know, does his little introduction. The guy comes out, the guy does his gesturing to the crowd. He gets in the ring, and then they have a a match in front of a, a in a warehouse or whatever. And it's just it's it's especially when we're watching it the way we're watching it, it's really a grind, man. Because I watched like you know. 12 of the matches in one day and I'm like oh god <laughs> like yeah. you know my eyes are kind of glazing over a little bit so so that was that but um we have about 10 minutes left do you want to do the Owen Hart thing real quick or do you want to save it for for another night uh we have 10 we got we 10. Have 10 if we have 10 we may as well do it I don't have a ton of thoughts other than I just think you know I watch Dark Side and I listen to Martha Hart with uh Dave and Jim Valley and um I mean she just comes across dignified and classy and um, I, I have a hard time. I'm struggling disagreeing with any of her stances on any of this. Um, her her children look well-adjusted and mature. And it seems to me that she's raised incredible children. Uh, the entire family just seems, I, I mean, I, I don't know how this is going to come across. They don't, they don't come across like hearts. I mean, <laughs> they just, they just seem so, um, uh, the children seem well raised and intelligent and on the right path. I mean, yeah, no, I you, the way you're saying it sounds like it's demeaning, but like if you know the hearts, you know Bruce, you know Brett to this day is still like they're they're wrestlers, man. You know what I mean? Like they live yeah. and die by this thing, this wrestling thing, and every, it's their entire lives, and it obsesses them, and they're they're marks for admiration, and they're marks for you know people thinking they're great, and I like I love that about Bret Hart. It's one of my favorite aspects about Bret Hart that he takes it too seriously, and, and Bruce is like psychotic and always trying to kind of worm his way uh, into stories or whatnot. But that's the family. That's kind of what they are. And you're right. Oge is like, yeah, wrestling. Who cares? I don't give a shit. And it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> like you know, you're not used to that in, in wrestling families. It's like you're kind of hoping that he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go in the ring and I'm gonna honor my dad and all that sort of stuff. And he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna be a lawyer. It's cool. And you're like, oh, all right. And Martha's like, yeah, I'm a doctor and I have a foundation. That's all right. We don't need the Hall of Fame. We're good. Yeah, I mean, she just – the big thing is in relation to the Hall of Fame and her relationship with WWE is she just does not come across like a mark. She's not a mark. Right, and they've tried. Oh, my God, have they tried to make her a mark? Hey, here's this or here's a plaque. They don't want a fucking plaque. They don't that give a shit. Is just not moved. They are not moved by any of that. They're they not marks. Want a crowd going, yeah, oh, win, oh, win. <laughs> they don't give a shit. You know, like, their their negligence and others as well, not just them, but their negligence resulted in her losing her husband and those kids losing their father. And you know, the, the one thing a lot of people love to say is Martha Hart is bitter. Oh my God! Can you and imagine? she's and she's she's bitter and she's. Well, you she know wants what? Revenge. She's bitter Here's and wants revenge. <laughs> I, I, I think that you know, bitter is an okay emotion to have towards the WWE. Oh, I'd be bitter forever. I'm and, bitter. I'm bitter. And, they they killed one of my favorite wrestlers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of no one hard. She's how admirable is it that she's not bitter like that? Yeah, and I, I I didn't even have a problem with her being bitter. If you want to call her bitter, why shouldn't she be? I mean, their negligence killed her husband. So I don't even think necessarily that's people want, treat that like it's an insult, like they're right. insulting her. And I I don't even see that as an insult. But she doesn't even come. A, I mean, she doesn't come across bitter in the way that people are saying that she's bitter. She comes across bitter in the sense that. 
They killed her husband. Right. I wish you wouldn't have killed my husband. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you and if that's not a legitimate emotion, then I don't know what is. I mean, that that dark side was very hard to watch at points, you know. And and you know, you, you relate it because you relate it to the people that you love and the people that you know and your family and your wife and your kids or whatever the fuck. And and it hits you hard. And I think that it's it's it, 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 she and and her children are so incredibly well adjusted after all of this when these kind of situations can easily veer the other way. Children going up without a father from a very young age. That poor girl was three years old. She's got one memory yeah, of her father zoo. and that's going the to the zoo. zoo. Yeah, and it. if that doesn't well up your eyes, then you're inhuman. Then you're then you're inhuman. You know? And 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 that one experience that she remembers with her father has kind of driven her life because now she's into sort of these animal, you know, she's an animal activist and all this and, and, and horseback and, and, riding. And, she got into horseback riding and stuff. Yeah, And then she writes for an animal magazine and, and things. So it's like that resonated with her and, and she's used that one memory she has of this man. And in some ways that memory may even be partially manufactured. And it's like, she's taken that and it's helped drive her life into a positive way. And it's like, and, and 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 the kid, I can't pronounce his name. Oge. Oge. Oh, it's an easy one. Yeah. Oge. I, I see. I would have said Oji. Uh, you got Oge, and you know he's on his path to becoming a lawyer, or he already is a lawyer. Yeah, human rights law too, which is really cool as well. Yeah, Again, I mean, like both just... these. She's like, he took me to the zoo, and I love that. So I love animals. And he's like, well, you know, <laughs> human rights are important, especially when you know your father gets you know sort of forced into doing something that killed him. So I'm gonna get a master's degree in human rights law. So. And then awesome. Martha and Martha improving her life as well after all of that happens and becoming a di- earning a doctorate and starting that foundation and buying people homes and teaching them how to be fiscally responsible. They all have a purpose in their life now. And who knows if their lives would have went in that direction, you know, even if he lived, which shows you that the tragedy that they had to endure has is, is, is how you know they took it and it helped them move in all three of them in a positive direction. And it's so rare that that happens, it can so easily go the other way. You know, that I was so impressed. We've talked about Dark Side and how I never learned anything. I learned something here. Yeah, I had no idea what how impressive this family was. I never knew about the Owen Hart Foundation, like literally, that was the day I learned about the Owen Hart Foundation. I never knew that she did that, and I loved. Darkseid did a great job, where, whereas O just talking about, you know, having, you know, the WWE inscribe his name on a piece of silver. He goes, we don't need that because we already give plaques that has his name on it. And they cut to them putting a plaque of the Owen Hart Foundation on someone's house. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God, you realize how fucking dumb wrestling is. You know what I mean? Like how yeah, dumb. Like, it, there's been years of people like, oh, you put him in the Hall of Fame because we want to chant Owen Hart. And it's like, you idiots, here's his legacy. There's his name on someone's house that they just bought for them. You, you know, and it's important to note, too. I think this is important that Martha Hart isn't even anti-wrestling because she has accepted other Hall of Fames happily. Yeah. Waterloo Hall of Fame, the, 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 that main wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah, she's fine with that. And understands that that's honoring him and she respects his fans. If you heard her with Dave, you know, and, and all of that, it's that company she refuses to accept and is rightfully bitter towards and i have no problem with that you want to use the word bitter fine i have no problem with her being bitter towards the company that killed her that killed her husband are you kidding me it's fine and 
I'm glad that they're never accepting that dopey fake Hall of Fame. And and not giving them because th- that's giving them the satisfaction. And if you're a fan who thinks that's the way he needs to be honored for you, you're selfish. You can watch his matches. Go watch his matches. Who's stopping you? Who is stopping you from watching his matches? You, if if as a fan, you need that stupid moment at a WrestleMania weekend to justify your fanhood for this man, then you're the problem. You, what do you need that for? You're the selfish one. Yeah, exactly. That's so incredible. Yeah, Martha selfish. and the kids aren't selfish for not wanting him to 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 be to to have WWE sell tickets to honor him. You know, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> And nothing will earn less respect from me than having that stance. That she's in the wrong and they need to put him in the they need to allow him to be in this dopey Hall of Fame. That that nothing there are few things in wrestling related that will that will have me lose respect for any other opinion that you might have on anything. Right. I've 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 long held that opinion. I, I've long thought like it's ridiculous. Who the fuck cares? And 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 that's like the stance of of you know you and I and, and most people on this website. It's like it's ridiculous. The Hall of Fame is stupid. And any time spent talking about it is, is is beyond stupid. The heart thing always got me. And then after watching this, and I put that tweet out. If you even for one fucking second of your life waste time thinking about Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame ever again, stop. Just stop and realize that you're the problem because this family doesn't care. They don't need it. They don't want it. And 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 frankly, yeah, the only person that wants it or needs it is you and Vince McMahon, the people that need it and want it. But the people that really, you know, that cared about Owen and, and lived with Owen and, and his family, they don't give two fucking shits about this. Yeah. Vince McMahon to clear his conscience and win again. And you as a selfish motherfucker. Those are the only people that need that. No one else on earth needs him in, the, in that stupid Hall of Fame. You want him in a wrestling Hall of Fame? He's in two of them. You know, you want to honor his career? Go watch his match. No one's stopping you. Right. Go donate go to the Owen Hart Foundation. Hart <laughs> go donate yeah. to the foundation. And, a wonderful you know. foundation that, that, that he can be remembered by if yeah. you're worried about his legacy. And then they'll put his name on a plaque and they'll put it on a, a house that he helped build. You know, <laughs> that's that people who never would have owned a home get a chance to live in with his name on the front fucking door. If you're worried about his legacy. It's outrageous. And, the, and, and, and again, I need to emphasize that this woman is not bitter towards wrestling. No. She accepted those Hall of Fames. And did you hear her talking about wrestling with Meltzer? You could hear the smile in her voice. Oh, she loves it. Yeah, I think she would. And, and I think, I don't know if she explicitly said that, but like the idea was like, hey, if, if, you know, New Japan or another company wants to honor him, yeah, I have no problem. So I would, you know, if I'm, if I'm like, I, I'm hearing that. And if I'm a few other companies, I, not to like pounce on this or whatever, but to realize that it's like a, a great opportunity to maybe raise even more money for this thing is, you know, have an own heart foundational show or, or, or something like that. You, you know what I mean? Like, cause now is, I think, a time where a lot of people, their eyes are open and realized, oh, like, it's not that the hearts and Martha and Oj and these people hate pro wrestling and want nothing to do with pro wrestling. They like it. They just don't like WWF because why would they? So it's like, yeah. you know, the, the door isn't closed on honoring, you know, Owen Hart, quote unquote, honoring him in some wrestling form. The door's just closed in WWE to being the ones to do that, which is great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the son did say, and I thought this was a heavy statement. He's like, you know, I'm mad at wrestling because if it wasn't for wrestling, my father would be alive. Yeah. If my father was doing something else, a fireman, whatever the fuck. And the other thing I learned here is that I always knew he wanted to be a fireman. I didn't know that where he lived, you had to have a college degree to be a fireman. And that was always the barrier. Like he would pass every test, 
but he would always get passed over because they would pick guys that had college degrees. Ahead right, of him. right. And he couldn't just stop wrestling because he wouldn't make any money. So he was kind of caught. He was caught in it. He was like stuck in the cycle where, where he couldn't yeah. leave because he wasn't going to make any money, but he wanted to get out, but he couldn't get out to do what he wanted to do. And yeah, it sucks. It's awful. Right. So that, that was tricky, you know, cause he, he, he was just that one little step away and he would never get picked because they would pick the guys with the college degrees, um, where they'd be ahead in line. So, you know, I, I, I didn't know that either. So this one, I did learn a little something and it was very good. And she was great with, uh, with Meltzer and Jim Valley. She just comes across as such a classy, dignified, wonderful person she does you know and and you know i was very i was blown away by her by her grace and 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 the class and the grace of her children and that's really the best reflection on her is how her children come across and they just so, come across so mature and well adjusted and and like they're great people and there's really no other bigger compliment you could probably give a woman than that absolutely so that's uh yeah it was the highest rated uh episode of dark side of the ring ever by the way which is an incredible number that it got as well so it's cool that a lot of people um checked it out and if you haven't seen it go out of your way to see it it's it, far and away my favorite episode of dark side of the ring um ever and and like you said it's 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 one of those episodes that like you know when you hear dark side of the ring it's not in a way it does it it, it talks about the story but it does it in such a positive way the, the way that you leave that story is positively you know what i mean like i left with a smile on my face i don't know about you which again is incredible. And yeah, I wasn't to... sad. I wasn't like yeah. I, there was points in the show where I was sad, but when it was over, I was like, you know what's awesome? That family has moved on, and they've decided that they are gonna, you know, th- th- that they're not gonna let this moment ruin the rest of their lives. Even though many people, you know, if, in many like for me, it would ruin that would ruin my life. If my dad died that way, I'm fucking my life is ruined forever. Yeah, you know, and it's not that. And you leave a very interesting way, and, and that's why it's great as like a season finale of this as well is you leave kind of being like, that's awesome, they've moved on, I'm so glad to see that. Like, you, there's a positivity that comes out of that episode, which is, so, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, and, and that's not, it's, I'm not, you know, saying that that's not, the, you know, that these guys are, are bad at doing it or whatever. Like, most of these episodes aren't meant to be cheery and happy and go lucky. It's like, hey, this is what fucking happened, and it's awful. You're, you're crediting Martha Hart and her children as well. Yeah, exactly, and I'm crediting the, the, the Dark Side of the Ring guys as well for, I think, telling a great story where they didn't, they yeah. didn't, they, they talk about the negativity, negativity of it, but they realize the hook of this episode is look how, this family has has moved on from this dark moment, and that's cool. Yeah. So that's that, and that is this episode of the Voice of Wrestling Flash Podcast. As we mentioned, immediately following Double or Nothing uh, tomorrow, we will have a live instant reaction ten dollars tier. Uh, if you want to do that, patreon.com slash voices wrestling, uh, voices wrestling.com slash Patreon. A lot of good stuff on the website as well right now. A preview of Double or Nothing, uh, the reviews of King of Gate, uh, the Lucha Fighter thing that I mentioned as well with with uh, Ricardo Gallo. So a lot of good stuff going on there as well. Uh, voices of wrestling.com. Uh, voicewrestling.com uh, or Voices Wrestling Podcast Network and also voicewrestling.com slash Patreon if you want to discuss wrestling uh, with all these fine folks here. So anyway, that is it for us. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flash of Podcast. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.